0: This is Free Talk Live, the Sunday co-host edition. This is your host, Delbert. And Ryder. And Nick. And you are in control of the show at Free Talk Live. So call in anytime you like with whatever you'd like to talk about at 603-435-1105 or just to chime in on something that we're talking about. Uh, some things we got in mind. Uh, coming up tonight, uh, and, and if you don't change the subject, we have a jury pool in a marijuana case that stages mutiny. That should be an interesting one. Uh Fiji. Sounds like good news. Yeah. Jury notification is alive and well, apparently. Uh, don't ask, don't tell, apparently seems to be near repeal. There's a winter solstice, lunar eclipse overlap for the first time in 456 years.
1: I was very excited about that just before the show. <laughs> well, you told me, Dale. I was, yeah. it made my year.
0: There's going to be a lot of witchy stuff going on then. So that should be interesting. And uh, $13 million, get unexpected tax bill from Obama, from a, from a tax credit. So we'll talk about that, too, if we get a chance to, assuming callers don't change the subject. They get a so, tax bill? Uh, we're we're going to talk about it. Okay. Yes, they got a tax bill when they were expecting a tax credit. Oh, okay. So it's like, sneaky. It's an unpleasant surprise, son. <laughs> yeah, If it exactly. was the other
1: way, if you were expecting a tax increase and you got the credit, <laughs> then you might just not mention it it,
0: it. it. it sounded like a thing where you're like, oh, file, fill out this paperwork for a tax credit, and then it's like, you know, I guess they, um, I don't know. I, I'm, I, I think I, I,
1: I, I'm starting to see what might have happened.
0: Yeah, we'll, we'll but we'll get to that if you want. We can talk about that next. But first, I want to talk about this uh, this mutiny, this mutiny that took place in the Missoula District Court. So uh, it's a, a funny. It's, this is from the Missoulian, <laughs> and I'm going to try and find out where that is. Is it's that in one, Mississippi or
1: something? Montana. It's, <laughs> it's in, in Montana. Montana.
0: Okay. That yeah. sounds Canada, right. That's actually. right. Yeah, someone mentioned Montana. I forgot. Right I had forgotten. By, but
1: by the Bitterroot Mountains, very nice.
0: So a funny thing happened on the way to a trial in Missoula County District Court last week. Jurors, well, potential jurors, staged a revolt. They took the law into their own hands, as it were, and made it clear they weren't about to convict anybody for having a couple of buds of marijuana. Never mind that the defendant in question also faced a felony charge of criminal distribution of dangerous drugs. The tiny amount of marijuana police found while searching Toray Cornell's home on April 23rd became a huge issue for some members of the jury panel. No, they said, one after the other. (laughs) No way would they convict somebody for having a sixteenth of an ounce. Ah. In fact, one juror wondered why the county was wasting time and money prosecuting the case at all, said said a flummoxed Deputy Missoula County Attorney Andrew Paul. So uh, District District Judge Dusty DeChamps took a quick poll as to who might agree. Of the 27 potential jurors before him, maybe five raised their hands. A couple of others had already been excused because of their philosophical objections. So I thought, geez, I don't know if we can see the jury, said Champs, who called a recess, and he didn't. During the recess, Paul and defense attorney Martin Ellison worked out a plea agreement. That was on Thursday. I hate it when they plea out, especially in a case like this where you've got all these jurors that want to they want to just drop it
1: right well a lot of times <laughs> want to if, a lot of times you'll you can you can get a not guilty verdict if you're willing to fight things all the way but of course if they offer you a really nice plea deal yeah. most people will take the deal 9 times out of 10 instead of Facing the outside, I, I think of, so we much. We could probably beat it, but if we lose, I'm going to go to prison for a while.
0: Yeah. So
1: people just get scared yeah, into taking the and deal. You
0: don't really know, like, and, and probably a lot of these cases wouldn't get very far because it just seems like this looks really, this is really pathetic, and jurors thought so too. Well, and I
1: thought that's probably
0: I, the fact that it even got to trial, to the where they were picking jurors.
1: I just thought, the fact that
0: it got that far seemed to be a, 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 a factor in the that all these jurors were even addressed with this because um, how many how many times would this ever get to trial, right?
1: Right, and it's surprising to me because I, I, I my understanding was that in Missoula they actually had a—marijuana uh, was the lowest priority of enforcement. It, there was no decriminalization, but supposedly there was some kind—I don't know if it was the city government or the county government there, but I can recall a story about how they had deprioritized marijuana enforcement in, in terms of possessions of small amounts. But,
0: there was talk about that and doing that in Keene. I think yeah, I heard them the them saying they wanted to— No, there was no, there was, like, was never— I, mean, I, was, I thought I was— I, I thought there was some talk about they were
2: going to consider... No, the closest that the city council ever came to doing something like that was drafting a resolution, which is basically something completely non-binding, it's as good as a letter, was drafting a resolution that says the Keene City Council is for the decriminalization oh, okay. of marijuana. But okay. they were not going to make any action they, or they weren't suggest. They were like not going to go to
0: the police department and say, uh, we want you to not spend time and effort and no. money and resources on this. Okay. I see. Well, so... So he says that on Friday, Cornell entered an Alfred plea in which he didn't admit guilt. Uh, And we have a caller. Caller, hold on for a moment and we'll get to you. Um, And uh, he briefly held his infant daughter in his manacled hands and walked smiling out of the courtroom. Public opinion is revealed by the reaction of a substantial portion of the members of the jury called to try the charges on December 16th, 2010, is not supportive of the state's marijuana law and appeared to prevent any conviction from being obtained simply because an unbiased jury did not appear available under any circumstances. (laughs) According to the plea memorandum filed by his attorney, a mutiny, said Paul, bizarre, the defense attorney called it, in his nearly 30 years as a prosecutor and judge, DeChamp said he's never seen anything like it. So maybe the caller has something to say about this. Uh, Caller, you are on the air with Free Talk Live.
3: Hey, this is Andrew in Mass, and I apologize. I called to talk about intellectual property.
0: That's fine. You're allowed to change the subject on Free Talk Live. This is your show.
3: Okay, great. And this, is this Dale?
0: This is Dale. Bert.
3: Hey, how's it going? <laughs> fine. Um, the reason I'm calling is um, I believe, I think the market should decide um, if there's intellectual property rights or not. And it should be based on the obviousness of the invention. Uh, for example, uh, say I spend a trillion dollars of my fortune, hypothetically, on a perpetual motion machine, and uh, you know I've I've invested a great amount of uh, you know the sweat of my brow into this invention, and it's it's come to fruition and I've invented this perpetual motion say it's a car, and you know the car comes to market, and then say Dale sees and then my and you car, don't have to
0: put any gas in this car or charge it up or anything because somehow it's 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 like. Uh, efficient or something. Is that the idea? (laughs) It's 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 defying the laws of thermodynamics.
3: (laughs) Right. Uh, So Dale comes along and Dale sees this car and Dale can, you know, create this car because it's so simple. Like, you know, I've created this. It was so obvious, but no one could figure it out. But, you know, once you saw this invention, it became so obvious to you. You could uh, invent this car for $20,000 and, you know, reliably, repeatedly you know, duplicate my process. Um, now, you can undercut me, and, you know, all the trillions I've spent on the perpetual motion machine, I can't even recoup my cost because you, you're, you're now producing the perpetual motion Dale cars, and I can't even uh, recoup the money I've invested in my car. Uh, okay. I, I think that kind of... Uh, You know, where do you guys stand on that, and uh, do you think the market should decide if there's intellectual property based on the obviousness?
2: What do you you mean by that, the market decide? What would the market decide in your case, and how would it decide that?
3: The market would decide that, say, you know, a perpetual motion machine being, you know, an extremely unique invention, uh, maybe I should uh, enjoy the rights to that for, say, a period of 10 years.
0: And how would the market decide that? Yeah, what's what's going to happen to someone who buys my car instead? What um, are you gonna are you gonna go after them in some violent fashion or something?
3: No, no, I'm not. Okay. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that, you know, uh, perhaps there should be some some standards that are followed by the marketplace, and uh, you know, perhaps Dale's car um, is treated as such. You know, maybe there's uh, an inventor Inventors Association and. They've created these uh, standards and practices that...
0: Uh, I, I, you know, I guess it depends on how well they get they can get people to to follow that. And I think some of that will depend on, you know, how much more are you trying to charge for your car than mine? Because I can guarantee you, if you're charging 200000 for yours and mine's 20000 and it's just as good, you could say, well, but I invented this, you know, and then he just went and re- reverse engineered it and made a copy I, of it way cheaper than me. I would, think, I
1: would me. think even the price, a uh, you know. few thousand dollars <laughs> difference, maybe... If- Twenty five thousand versus thirty you know, would be you enough might. to probably it would probably incentivize people to buy the copy. I'm not sure if you're going to look to the market to determine whether there's intellectual property. I think the market is likely to decide that there is not. If there's any price in, advantage in going with people who Maybe. basically rip it off, I, I could see something like reciprocity between. Inventors or d- different companies that have a vested interest in intellectual property.
0: Hey, Angie, would you like to hold on and, and continue this over the, after the break?
1: Sure, I'd love to. Thank you.
0: Okay, we'll be right back. This is Free Talk Live. You can call in and uh, give us your thoughts on this or another subject at 603 435 1105. This is Free Talk Live. Spark
4: imaginations and free minds with an enjoyable graphic novel or webcomic from BigHeadPress.com. This holiday season, share the freedom message with friends, family, or the one acquaintance that really needs it. BigHeadPress.com's thoughtful stories provide a vision of freedom and how we'll get there. Just one of the many imaginative graphic novels from BigHeadPress.com is L. Neil Smith's Roswell, Texas. A sci-fi, western, romantic comedy with aliens, motorcycles, beautiful women, and the gayest Nazi you've ever seen. Sample online before you Buy at bigheadpress.com.
0: This is Free Talk Live, the talk radio show where you can control the show. Call in at 603 435 1105. This is your host, Albert Ryder. And Nick. And we were talking to Andrew in Massachusetts about intellectual property rights in a free market. So, Andrew, um, we were just talking, you were just saying, uh, you know, should the market decide that? And we're trying to, what does that mean when you're talking about, uh, you know, someone invented something? I mean, I'm trying to figure out how the market would decide that. And if someone, if I'm selling a car way cheaper than you, what is, uh, like, this, the, the, this organization, the, this inventor's organization that you talked about that, that, that does standards and things like that, what, kind of, what would they do exactly?
3: Um, I think it would be like a code of ethics that says, you know, if, if an inventor has, you know, a very creative idea, you know, we will let him enjoy the exclusive uh, rights to uh, profit from that idea.
0: So what does and, that mean? Uh, I go and sell, I'm selling it cheaper and some people want to buy my car. So what do they do about that?
3: Well, I guess it would matter if you are a member of this, uh, have you signed on to these standards and practices, and uh, will the market accept, uh, you know, will the market want to disincentivize creativity? You know, you can buy these outside or, you know, um, it would if in a free market it wouldn't be black market, but uh, you'd be disincentivizing creativity by buying. You'd be disincentivizing basically the productive efforts of my invention by buying your car.
0: Maybe, but I mean, do you, do you think that, uh, how, uh, you know, Nick was saying, you know, even for just a few thousand dollars difference, the consumer you
1: know. doesn't, I mean, the consumer really doesn't care. They care about how, if it works the same, how much does it cost? So, I mean, I don't know that the market without any kind of enforcement mechanism, I'm not sure that we'd see intellectual property work in the same way that it does today. I, I mean, I, in the example you 're giving, it sounds like you would be screwed is what i 'm trying to say there might be an upside to having See, really no intellectual property because you get more of an exchange of ideas. technology might advance more quickly in some ways, sure, but you correct. would be counter incentivizing a big upfront investment that you have to recoup by having like a patent or an exclusive right to sell that product
0: yeah I'm not, uh, th- i 'm not it's this th- my th- take on it one thing that that um, t- I, that i that you should keep in mind is that before patents and all that, there were things were being invented and people were making money off of them. So it's it's, the idea that you can't do it is I think, Um, or that it can't happen. There's
1: still other incentive. I mean, besides having the patents or the exclusive right to sell, I mean, there is, if you're say a software developer, if you're always coming out with the newest, because currently, I mean, you can really, either you can get a pirate version of the software in today's world, or even with the intellectual property laws, or you can get freeware that's similar. But there's a certain amount of prestige that comes with developing, you know, coming out with the best software every year. Sure. So if you're if you're the trendsetter, and setting, then
0: the trick, look at what right. World of Warcraft does is you have to have an account with. They've got the server where everyone. The whole point is to meet up and do stuff on their server, and they're constantly servicing things and providing service to people over the phone if they need it, and updating, fixing things on their accounts and stuff. So there's service associated with that. You have to have an account. You you have to buy their software because they know if you have or not. You have to. You're buying the code. that says okay. like I bought the software so that you can log on and and so I think a lot of things you know will become service based and things like that as opposed to the you know. Um, to, you know, buy the software and, and for $400 and use it as much as you want kind of thing. But I think, see, one thing I'm thinking about when you're talking about this inventor's organization is do they provide some kind of, do they provide a service because you bought one of the, a product that they've endorsed? Like do they, do maybe a warranty service or, or, or some kind of, you know, some service related to the fact that you bought one of their products that they've endorsed? As being because they say you know this person invented it, we're going to credit them with the invention and allow them. We're only going to service them and that, their products.
2: That's a, that's a good point, and that could be the answer to how the market decides what intellectual property is. Um, in the I case guess that's
3: that a better solution, but then um, I guess it, there could. If the market decides there is intellectual property, say you know, ten percent decides there is, isn't, ninety percent decides there is. I guess there could be um, like private arbitration that deals with these sort of issues. Um, I don't know if that's the best answer, that's a answer, but um, I actually have an invention for a vehicles that I don't want to share over the air, but I guess we could kind of t- test this hypothesis if I shared over the air my idea, which, you know, if it goes into cars and I don't get a single cent, I guess we could kind of test this hypothesis.
0: Well, but, uh, an idea is not patentable <laughs> or copyrightable, so, I mean, you can... you can. Um... You can patent a certain, you know, there's certain things you can patent. Patent, and by the way, patents are not automatic the way copyrights are. So if you announce your idea over the air about how to build a certain car, uh, you, legally, in, our, in, our, you know, legally, you're going to be, <laughs> I can tell you right now, it isn't going to hold up. You're going to be in trouble. You know, so I wouldn't do it if you're worried about protecting your idea. If you're thinking about getting a patent through the legal system,
3: yeah, I am, and it, it actually, I. Um... Uh, the few people I've told, they think it will save a significant number of lives. It's not a perpetual motion machine, I can tell you that. <laughs> but uh, it's, a, it's a safety system for vehicles, uh, and um, you know, I'm, I'm trying to figure out my my best options. And as it looks right now, it's probably going to end up being a patent. And you know, as a voluntarist, I'm trying to you know decide if that's a route that I want to go, and you know, if going the non-patent route, if that will result in me making any money at
0: all. I, I've heard horror stories about getting a patent, so be prepared for it. Be prepared to spend thousands
1: of dollars. But if you don't get a patent, if it is a really good idea and it's it's implemented, then I wouldn't count on people just giving it, you money because, because someone else, good idea.
2: Someone else will not hesitate to get a patent on your idea and then sue <laughs> right. you. Yeah, so, there are
0: big corporations that are in the business of doing exactly that. What what Nick what Ryder just described. So,
3: so how would you guys suggest I I do this voluntarily? You know, assuming that. You know using intellectual pro- i guess using it through the government would be you know i guess a violent approach but
1: um, well see ultimately you're i mean if you're looking for protection from pro- i mean either either you personally believe that intellectual property exists or it doesn't so if if you believe that intellectual property exists and is as concrete as physical property which some people legitimately believe it is then I don't know that legally protecting your property is necessarily a bad thing. Well, but if e- you're ambivalent about whether it's property or not... Then-
2: Either way, you get a patent and someone rips you off, um, the government does not actively go after those people, I don't think. I think you have to file a claim against them. So it would still be up to you if you want to get all the way to the violence side right. that you're so opposed to.
0: That's right. And like Ryder said, there are corporations... out. If you have a patentable idea or a patentable process or a patentable invention and you, pr- you put it out there, there are people that, are, like writer like said, they'll, 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 they'll find it. <laughs> they will patent it and then sue you and make you so you can't sell it anymore. So just so that you could, if you, you might decide I'm not going to go after people who copy my idea if, you're, you know, if that feels like a violation to you of your principles. But uh, right. you may want to go ahead and get the patent uh, just because that's, you know, there are a lot of things you have to do just to function in, in the business world today because of the violence society that we live in.
2: So, so is, is that the consensus? Nick, get the patent for. It?
1: I would, I would, I would say get the patent. I mean, you don't have to go after anybody. If you do have to somehow use the patent down the line, I mean, you could probably just send them a nasty letter saying, "Hey, this is patented under blah blah blah." Please don't do that. Cease and desist, and that's probably <laughs> going to be enough to stop most people. And if they want to, f- you know, if they, if you don't feel keep, like they're right, doing anything
0: wrong, then. Right. I, I you go, know or if, you could just ignore you might just it. say, "Could you please not do that?" I spent a lot of work on this, and you know, I'd like to right. be the only one selling it for a you, year. You could or two. say that,
1: but ultimately, at some <laughs> point, I mean, if you want to, if you want to own the, if you want to make money off your idea, to some extent, you're going to have to say it's my idea. You can't have it as mine. All right, so bubble do do bubble wrap
0: cars coming in the next few years. <laughs> bubble wrap cars. That's right. All right, Andrew. <laughs> thanks for calling. We for talk live. Uh, This is Free Talk Live. You can call in at 603-435-1105 and talk about anything you like. Um, Coming up, we'll be talking about uh, the the marijuana mutiny and uh, Don't Ask, Don't Tell being repealed. This is Free Talk Live.
5: You know the Constitution like the back of your hand. You've read books, listened to podcasts, attended lectures, surfed websites, and watched videos. You've made liberty your life's goal, but something seems to be missing. Stickers from libertystickers.com. Exercise your freedom of speech with the world's most dangerous bumper stickers. That's libertystickers.com. But wait.
0: This is Free Talk Live, the show where you can control what we talk about by calling in at 603-435-1105. This is your host, Albert, And Ryder. And Nick. Are you looking for the perfect treat to bring to this year's holiday party? You need a new gift idea for friends and family? This year, make it George's Famous Baklava. George's Famous Baklava is a walnut pastry with over 50 layers of melt-in-your-mouth phyllo. All of the ingredients are premium and natural to ensure only the best taste. It's the perfect treat for any holiday party with friends, family, or coworkers. George's Famous Baklava is shipped in a special container, priority mail, so it gets to you fast, fresh, and delicious. Order by Tuesday, December 21st to make sure you have it in time for Christmas. Check out George's Famous Baklava at mandrik.com. That's M-A-N-D-R-I-K dot com. There's no C in there. Mandrik.com, dot com. And I ordered some for my mom recently. I love baklava. Yeah, I've, I, you know, I yeah, yeah, I didn't yeah, realize weird. how much I love baklava until I had George's famous baklava. And I don't know that like, this is totally. Um, I have heard that honey, which I'm pretty sure there's honey in this, I is a natural so. preservative. It has enzymes that will that will keep it from spoiling. I know so.
1: honey will never go bad. Yeah, yeah on its own. I don't know about it in other things, but
0: I've seen. I've seen. I know people have had like um, his George's baklava like in their fri- in their in their freezer or their fridge. I think people like to keep it frozen, but. Keep in the freezer, and you can eat it right out of the freezer. So, and what, it's it just seems like they have it forever. So, what goes bad first, baklava or a McDonald's burger? Um, I frankly, I'd rather eat old baklava, but I've heard that <laughs> a, you know, I think I heard the reason that that, that a burger um, stays the way it does for so long is the salt in it. Salt yes, content. yeah, the, the buns is it. what you have to worry about. The buns are what should be going bad or something, but there's and I can't remember the reason why they don't. Apparently, yeah, the there's a lot of a,
1: stuff in, in fast food that probably shouldn't be in food. But it is tasty sometimes.
0: So um, we lost our caller. We had uh, a caller. A Caller, if you, uh, I guess you got tired of waiting for the other caller, but um, you feel free to call back in at 603-435-1105. Uh, just a little while ago before the caller called in, we were talking about this, this mutiny in prospective jurors for a marijuana case. And um, I find it fascinating. It's not, it's not actually jury nullification. But what it sounds like is they were afraid that jury nullification was going to happen, and that's what led them to dis- they, probably, probably what's a fairly favorable plea deal. They as there. in the prosecutors. The prosecutors. Thank you for clarifying that, yeah.
1: So, yeah, I mean, I, I think that jury nullification is probably a much more effective way to do away with uh, something like marijuana possession arrests than than decriminalizing on the city level. I mean, if, if a state, if the state of Montana in this case or California says, it's just not it's not a criminal offense anymore to possess an ounce of marijuana then i guess you don't have to worry but what happens in a lot of places is that you have governments say that they kind of muddy the waters and say that marijuana is not a high priority or they reduce the penalties but there's still laws on the books even though you know most of the people out there don't think it's worth now, people,
2: now, did right? this article? This article was about jurors that continually just kept saying, "We're not going to prosecute this particular person." Right during jury selection.
0: Yeah, it, it, they pretty much expressed what it was ha- apparently what was happening is I guess they're going through the selection process and they're finding juror after juror saying, "No, nah, I I wouldn't convict on that." Now, know? did they say they or, found anyone that would um, um, th- th- meet a well, jury? Well, this is that's interesting. It says, um, it says one after the other. They said no. They said one after the other, no way they would convict somebody for having a sixteenth of an ounce. Because I'm it wondering, says one juror wondered why the county was wasting time and money on it, uh, and then it, it says the judge did a quick poll, and this is what confuses me: where he says that of the 27 potential jurors, maybe five raised their hands and and asking who might agree. Um, who so, might? so so it didn't sound like that many. Five out of 27 wondered why they were wasting time on it.
1: Well, a couple of others had already
0: been excused because of their philosophical objections.
1: in the jury selection process, so you don 't need the entire jury pool to be in favor of nullification. I mean I, it, I might depend on the jurisdiction, but my understanding is that in jury selection, the defense and the prosecution get to eliminate so many jurors they get a
0: certain number of free eliminations they don 't even have to give a reason for right. they can also ask to eliminate someone uh, based on a certain condition, but you know, they can explain to the judge this person is biased because of whatever. And then, if the judge agrees with them, they can get a free removal. That that doesn't, right. doesn't count against their the freebies they get. So,
1: but they might have just had too many. I mean, if the judge said, "Look, I'm not going to dismiss people," then if you've only got three dismissals on well, on the prosecution side, then they know that you know all you need is one juror to make it to the jury that wants to nullify, and it's, it's, <laughs> you're not going to. Well, get a it sounds like it was it was a lot. I mean, it sounded like they
0: had 27 potential jurors. Uh, some had already been excused because of. They, because of the philosophical reasons, probably something either for or against the either prosecution or defense had an issue with it, and and uh, twenty of the twenty-seven left. They they couldn't find they could not apparently they could not be happy with the jury. They were like they, you know they couldn't they didn't feel like they could get people that who would convict. That's Which good. Is, that's, that's really I mean just the fact they didn't even get to the point of <laughs> selecting the jury for it to get to jury nullification. It was like the prosecution was anticipating jury nullification.
1: Yeah, that's very encouraging. That's outstanding. That's the most direct way because you don't actually need to get the law repealed if you can consistently get juries to nullify. I mean, that's how alcohol prohibition eventually. That's one of the reasons why it didn't have much success was that juries wouldn't
2: convict. Right. So, what did the deal end up being?
0: They don't go into that. I'm curious. Okay, they, they aren't going. I mean, that's into it. the but worst part. It says part. that he went out smiling, so it sounded. I imagine it was a favorable time plea served. deal. Uh, it could have been <laughs> you know. something like that. It could have been. Oh, let's put it on file for for three months. Probation. Maybe it'll go away. For a period of time. Don't get in trouble again. Because uh, go to maybe go to a drug awareness class. I don't know.
2: Then the state doesn't have to mark
0: up a loss, but the see. But he did not admit guilt in the plea. That okay. was one thing that was that was noted. So maybe it was time served and. Yeah. And, and, uh, and like I said, a drug awareness class.
1: Well, I have a feeling. I, I mean, don't know. Something th- there was something a defense ad- He wasn't going pro se, right? I mean, there was a defense attorney involved, I'm assuming. Um, it would be a really bad defense th- there, attorney. There must
0: be. I think if they're to the point of a jury trial, surely there's a, if nothing else, there's an assigned defendant or assigned. Right. So, assigned. I mean,
1: I would think that it was probably a pretty favorable deal. Just get the whole thing over yeah. with.
0: That, that's the impression given. They don't talk about it, but it says he walked out smiling. Uh, he was still, still manacled. Like holding his baby and man, his hands manacled or something like that.
1: Well, maybe they don't. Yeah, the cuffs till you leave the, the courtroom. Might be one yeah. of the rules. It always
0: gets me I, when I when I've been I go to the court a lot because I'm involved with a lot of activists and I'm there to support people and things like that and and sometimes I'm there for myself uh, not <laughs> more often than than usual lately but um and they manacle people. It's like, but you know, if you're not, unless you're out on bail, you're in these like insane manacles with like a waist strap and everything. And it just,
1: yeah, you look so like dehumanizing.
0: And I'm like, some yeah. of those people, they're not threats. They're oh, not yeah. going to run away. They're not going to hurt. They're going to suddenly wail at the judge. You know? And
2: then they want to sign the paperwork and their hands are tied to their waist almost. So most of them are bending over tables. Really? It's not a very nice way to treat people. Yeah, I know. I'm
0: watching that and it's just, ugh, this disgusts me. This is so unnecessary. And, and to be
2: clear, this is district court. These people
0: aren't here for rapes and murders. Right. These people are here for we <laughs> got is, caught
2: with alcohol or- I, This is a
0: small city in Keene, New Hampshire. I mean, yes, yes, bad crimes do happen here sometimes. I'm not going to pretend that it's Mayberry or anything. But I mean, it's, yeah, occasionally bad. But most of those people are there for really not not violent offenses and things like that. So- and I've seen my friends in those manacles, and I know for a fact in those cases that that it was not warranted, so yeah,
2: strange, I don't see people uh handcuffed on Judge Judy, and they're probably facing settlements there that are a lot larger than anything <laughs> in district court, but it's the nature of the state that causes people to lash out unfortunately
1: yeah that and it's the state also tends they tend to overreact right the state the state doesn't have to worry about treating you like a jerk because they're the state so there's not really too much you can basically they're acting with impunity there's not much you're going to be able to do if they treat you poorly
0: yeah well exactly so um coming up uh later uh later in the show um if you'd like to call in at 603-435-1105 otherwise we're going to be talking about the don't ask don't tell that appears to be near repeal uh it's just uh, it's it's going to go before Obama to sign I guess and uh you know so we'll be talking about that some and uh some uh, other things we might get Yeah, I have well. some
2: articles and uh one of them about gun buybacks which are a great idea, right? <laughs> Buying back all the good citizens guns. Oh man.
0: Uh yeah, I don't know about that. So, call in 603-435-1105. This is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. Uh, this is your host, Delbert. And Ryder. And Nick. And you can call in anytime at 603 435 1105. And we actually have some callers right now. I'm going to take a uh, uh, caller. You are on the air.
4: Hey, this is Chris from Michigan. Uh, before I get to the issue on talk, I just want to say I got those TOTAS sacks that you guys gave away. Used it for the first time. Works great. Awesome. And tota sacks. Yeah, definitely. And, anyways, I want to. Talk to you guys about uh, this, well, the state, the government in general, using uh, property seized in criminal cases for their own use. And I have a particular case in general here out of Michigan in Saginaw County. It was a uh, Saginaw County man uh, from Bridgeport Township. He uh, was, uh, he, he got caught with uh, growing uh, was upwards of 68 plants of marijuana inside of his home. Um, the original case or that even brought him to this point. Well, he had a charge from about 10 years ago for another case, similar issue for marijuana. And there was actually a warrant for his neighbor's house for a completely unrelated case. And the police, uh, going over to his neighbor's house, had identified uh, this gentleman's house due to his previous case 10 years ago. And they went and knocked on his door and supposedly could uh, either smell marijuana or supposedly see marijuana across his house. And what they did is something they called a protective sweep of his property without a warrant, where they were allowed to go inside of the residence and uh, first to a protective sweep, as they called it. And then when they, during the protective sweep, when they identified a marijuana plant on the second floor that was uh, supposedly gave them the warrant to then go ahead and search the rest of the premise. They uh, confiscated the vast majority of uh, things that they considered a value over there. The, pro, um, the Sheriff's Department in uh, Saginaw County had reported it being upwards of $300,000 worth of uh, confiscated goods they took from there between cars and uh, uh, ATVs and other property. The cars were what this guy did for uh, for the, his job for the most part for his full time was refurbishing classic cars. Um, but anyways, what this all boils down to was uh, in order for him, the plea bargain he took under pressure that uh, himself and his wife would both be put in prison and his wife would lose her nursing license as well as, I wrote down here, the children being placed in foster care, um, he signed this plea agreement under duress to forfeit his brand new Mustang he bought for his, 16, or his, uh, his son, who was 14, uh, to give him on his 16th birthday, and $25,000. That Mustang had been had been taken over by the sheriff's county department or the Saginaw County Department uh, Sheriff's Department, and they converted it into a squad car, and they're now using that. This is before the a case Mustang squad
0: car. I've never seen such a thing.
4: Yeah, we have a bunch. Well, we have a lot of chargers and things up here in Michigan for squad cars.
2: Well, whatever they happen yeah. to confiscate, that becomes the next squad car, I guess. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> okay, <laughs> so that's.
4: They, they did that for the. I
2: mean, the police cars looking, looking very generic
6: and yeah. similar.
4: Well, yeah, we have we have some pretty out there cars. We even have, uh, I think, there's two Dodge Vipers that the State Police Department has.
1: <laughs> Are they all confiscated, or is this just like an old Detroit muscle mentality thing?
4: Uh, from what I understand, most of them had been confiscated. In the case of the Dodge Vipers, I'm not entirely sure. But I know for certain that this uh, car, this Mustang, has been confiscated. It actually says right on there, confiscated by a local drug dealer, it says right on the side of the car. And again, this guy hasn't even tried yet. This is, the case is still pending. They're already using his car and confiscated it because of the plea bargain as well as
0: $25,000. Well, Detroit is in huge financial trouble from what I understand. We just did a, there was just a story on Free Talk Live uh, about um, how they're taking, they're redrawing lines around certain areas and certain neighborhoods are going to be like not, they're not going to get services anymore and they're still going to have to pay taxes or something like that. And, just, oh yeah, they're I, just I, in absolute desperate trouble. Where's, is Sagina- where's Saginaw
1: County though? Is that? It's probably about an hour and a half north of Detroit. And roughly. what's the financial situation like there? I mean, I know Michigan in general is seeing some pretty tough times, but
4: yeah, it's pretty rough up here. Uh, Saginaw, is, it, it's it's not great, but it's probably on par with the rest of the state. I mean, it's not as bad as Flint, Detroit. Those are probably two of our hardest hit areas. Um Sagna, Sagna is, I mean, it's about on average how bad Michigan's doing, you know, we're up there in the teens for unemployment percentage, uh, as based on, you know, the, the considered economists predictions, uh, by most accounts, I've been able to figure we're probably closer to
0: 20%. Yeah, probably, um, I, it sounds like they're tweaking those numbers to make them sound not as scary. Right. There's ways so to,
4: I, you know. I mean, you know, I'm in Bay County, which is about 15 minutes away. And, uh, I know a few years ago, uh, Actually, a few years ago, the whole state actually almost had to forfeit. I've heard they call it, but when the state basically signs over their power to the federal government because they don't have enough money to support their own uh, utilities and their own law enforcement agencies and everything else. Um, so there was a big scare of that a few years ago. The federal government take over the departments, but that never came to be because uh, Governor Granholm introduced a whole bunch of different service taxes. I mean, service taxes and all sorts of different stuff. It was kind of ridiculous how many things it covered. Anything from bronzing your baby's shoes all the way to maid services and babysitting services. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, the confiscating material, especially before this guy's even tried it all, uh, kind of tripped me out that they would actually do that. Well, you said they, I mean,
1: th- there heard... was a plea deal, though. So, I mean, has it he's he has pled guilty. That's the idea. Or he's made a, a conditional plea where he uh, surrenders uh, some of his bail conditions or big.
4: <laughs> Exactly, he's signed a plea bargain to give up uh, to keep them out of jail.
1: Oh, um, okay. So this is this is yeah. a bail. I mean, I I thought you were talking about he was signing a deal, you know, a plea as far as <laughs> whether he was guilty or not in the case. So that I could see. But if this is a a bail agreement, so that he that's he, a brutal bail. That's <laughs> bail right. I mean, that's really yeah,
4: twenty five thousand plus this Mustang. Um, and up here in Michigan, now as I'm sure you guys are aware, we have the medical marijuana law that was passed up here. And uh, this guy was, in fact, going through the process, the problem he was having. And he did have his paperwork already into the system. The problem he was having was finding a doctor that was uh, willing to risk signing off on it. They're a lot more common now. the doctors are. They're, you'll find a lot more that will sign off on it. But at the time when this uh, whole case took place, there was, a lot of these doctors were pretty nervous with putting their name on any sort of piece of paper that still wasn't federally legal. So he had a lot of trouble getting around to that but he did have his paperwork in the system and did already find a doctor and had already been to the doctor now granted the amount of plants he had was over the limit we're allowed to have up to twelve plants here and he had sixty eight plants um so I guess that's a fair amount but but I uh, yeah it just it really a, a so kind of a it was,
0: you, you can but, grow, you can get legal you can get well state legal i guess um yeah. permission to grow marijuana for personal use for medical reasons is that um
4: you can also is yeah. You can either be a user or a caregiver and have up to twelve plants oh, okay. um, it's still basically growing and up to three and a half ounces prepared. Um you can have uh you can be you know, that as a patient and also be a caregiver as long as you get as long as you get a patient to fill out the paperwork to have you be their caregiver. You can have as a caregiver up to five patients and you yourself can also grow up to twelve plants and have three and a half ounces.
0: I see.
1: Yep. That is could so, to be marijuana, I though. I mean, 68 plants. I, I can see yeah, maybe if you yeah. had six people really heavily consumed, but I mean, so that is, uh, it's significant. I mean, I don't know if these were all, if they had been sexed, so if they, or if they were, there were still male and female plants, but that's an uh, awful lot. Well, I'm sure
0: they were sexed. I mean, <laughs> I mean, yeah. he's not growing, he's not growing hemp for t-shirts. Well, and... no, but, <laughs> okay. I, 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 they were sexed. <laughs> 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 so, but but I, it's, it's still it's still it's still ridiculous he, fact, he hasn't gone through he hasn't even gone through trial well, I, and everything i'm not sure about was he, uh, and, and of course uh, and of course he shouldn't have been bothered at all he wasn't bothering anyone he wasn't no i agree anyone. with but, that i'm just wondering a,
1: if it was actually all being used for medicinal purposes i guess is why i was yeah at.
0: yeah no, but i think what yeah. he's saying is you can only it, no one apparently is allowed to grow more than 12 plants for any reason apparently right, right? is that does that sound right? That's correct. Based on law, correct. you can get permission yep. to have 12 if you have five patients who are m- medical users who have uh, prescriptions and so forth. That's Something correct. Like that.
4: Yeah, there's a big, it's big uh, spiel going on back and forth right now because there's another case that was have Compassion Clubs, kind of like out in California. And uh, there, there's a big case going on right now seeing if those are actually legal in Michigan or not because it's basically a bunch of caregivers that have consolidated their marijuana to exchange between each other and uh. so forth. Yeah, um, so it's it's. It I think once years, you, okay.
0: what, it, it, we're already broaching this point where there's it's, it's going to be a point of no return where it's like, okay, it's going to get legalized, and it's just too much. It's just so hard to, uh, you know, all these little nitpicky things. And once
1: it seems like, you know, I think California will probably be the first state to do it, but I I'm not sure that we'll see complete deregulation. Unfortunately, if, it, if it's mm-hmm. if it's legalized, they'll but it'll probably be a situation where it'll be so hard to
0: regulate. Don't you think a, a plant like that where you can just well, grow?
1: If it's if it's legalized, I mean, you would think tobacco could be hard to regulate too, but it's just I not. It's just not. It's just not worth going the around regulation.
4: Come through licensing.
1: Right. Yeah, I think business. Well, yeah, I think that it'll be a situation where you, they'll give you a business license to grow marijuana as long as you're giving the state their cut, and if you don't, exactly. I mean. But, but that's just Even- it. I think with the, with the, it won't be,
0: there won't be the, the motives to enforce it so viciously at, at that point. I think it's so easy to just grow some pot in your, in your basement when it's oh, not yeah. a big deal anymore, when right. it's not a huge Right. I mean, you can uh, make moonshine today. It's, a, it's
1: illegal, know. but they're not roving moonshine enforcement. <laughs> I know someone. who Well, OK, maybe in some person. I know, some, I know someone who's
0: co- who, who the cops came to his door. He had a still in his kitchen and that's how he got oh, caught yeah. and, he, and he got off the hook they let him go on it and, so and i like dude in your kitchen and the, okay <laughs> uh, call 603 thanks for the call uh, uh, you can call in at 603-435-1105 and talk about whatever you'd like to talk about this is Free Talk Live This is Free Talk Live, the radio show where you can control the show. Call in at 603-435-1105. This is your host, Bill And Ryder. And Nick. You can also check out our archives by going to archives.freetalklive.com. If there was a show that you missed that your friends are talking about and you'd like to hear what all the buzz was about, go to the archives. And uh, this goes back for years. Uh, You can access the most recent shows really quickly and go into the archives to get the older ones. So um, I had said that we were going to uh, get into some other subjects tonight. And, uh, Nick, you had a subject you wanted to talk about. Uh, is this the gun buyback or is that something yes. else? All right. Let's talk about gun buybacks and how effective they are at preventing crime.
2: Well, yesterday, the New York Police Department held a gun buyback at the Reverend Al Sharpton's National Action Network in Harlem. Uh, people received $200 for each gun they turned in. 350 guns were dropped off uh sharpton denounced the gun violence and how and how some embrace it this culture that where they walk around with scar face on their chest and romanticizing thug life is no longer acceptable um and and so that's fixed he resolved that right the people
0: happening anymore since he had his buyback
2: the people who are dead set on violence decided that it was worth their two hundred dollars to go bring their guns back i guess to al
0: sharpton and everyone has uh Reformed.
1: I bet, no I bet you they can get
0: more than that, and uh, they could, especially in the black market, where you're not asking well, for people that don't want to give a license. Was it no questions
1: buyback? Because this is what you do with your murder guns, right? Well, is it a no questions asked buyback? Because that's usually what that's good for. Is is you will turn in the guns <laughs> that you've used to off people with. I don't, we don't have mate?
0: that information. It doesn't say. Okay. We might have a, a we have a caller now who might be interested in chiming in on this subject. Caller, you are on the air with Free Talk Live, and not on the, oh. the air anymore. So uh caller, call back. Um we seem to have lost you, but carry on, Nick, uh carry on, Ryder. Uh he says the society should not accept it,
2: the community should not accept it, and the police department should not accept it. And now I'm not here saying that we should indeed accept gun violence, but um I'm saying that gun buybacks
0: who yeah, I'm what not kind a fan of, of gun person, violence, violence. What kind either.
2: of person is going to decide to take their gun and bring it to the city or or Al Sharpton or whoever and uh, give it up voluntarily
0: probably that- well, it 's the same idea with gun licensing right if you make people get a license in order to have a gun, or if you just say you're not allowed to have a gun, well then law abiding you know people who aren't in, in, who don't intend to go out and commit crimes are going to obey that law, but it's not going to accomplish anything it, it, it never does i mean statistically well,
1: it, it does it in fact accomplishes is that it does actually it fairly effectively disarms. People who are law-abiding.
0: The people who have the guns just to defend themselves from violent right. people. Right. And then there and, are the people yeah. who are
1: nonviolent violent and might illegally have the gun to defend themselves. Because, I mean, there might be some people who are otherwise law-abiding except for laws like that. And by the same... E- e- even so, even the people who do keep the gun for self-defense, even if they are circumventing the gun ban or the registration requirements, they're still probably not going to get very much practice with it. They're just... Is not as likely to be used effectively for self-defense. But the people who are going to use it to aggress against people don't care.
0: Right. They don't really... It doesn't take as much knowledge to hurt someone with a gun versus to defend yourself And
1: Plus, if you're looking at a murder or um, aggravated assault conviction for shooting somebody, Hmm. then what's a gun charge going to do? Right. Why do you... Oh, you might get a year for carrying a gun. They're they're not
0: intending... They're not expecting to get caught or they wouldn't be committing the crime. And if they do, then... Yeah, they've, you know, <laughs> aggravated assault or murder or whatever, you know, compared to the gun charge is kind of silly.
1: Yeah. And I mean, if you look at areas where it's the hardest in the country to own a gun, those are usually the areas where gun violence rates are the highest. Places like D.C., um, Chicago has a pretty bad violent crime rate. New York City has, they've cleaned up some. But when you look at major metros that have very restrictive gun laws, that's typically where you see the most gun violence because <laughs> the criminals know that by and large, the most victims people are, are disarmed. disarmed. Right. Yeah. It, the thing, that's the thing
0: is you can't show necessarily that that you can't. It's it's there's there's not like massive statistical evidence showing that removing gun laws reduces crime, but certainly gun laws being added is not a helping crime. Right. That, and that much is statistically overwhelmingly obvious. Yeah, and I haven't seen very many. Uh,
1: it, it's very hard to prove that you can show correlations between relaxing gun laws and lower vi- violent crime rates, but it's very hard to prove that in fact you know prove that there's. Causation that if you repeal gun, more gun laws, violent crime rates will go down. But very rarely do you see an increase in violent crime as a result of because some states have relaxed um, gun carry laws. Conceal many states didn't used to allow concealed carry. Now virtually all of them do. So
0: what, what there is is there is an, a complete lack of evidence for effectiveness of gun control laws. Right for well, reducing violent crime. This is There's speculation. Yeah. This is speculation on my part. I one hundred percent
2: admit that. But how many uh, do you think guns were allowed in that school board meeting in Florida? Do you think if someone had walked in with a gun on their waist, open uh, carrying, that
0: that school I board would be okay with s- that? I highly doubt it. I, I I doubt it. But Now, gun laws are fairly relaxed in Florida, aren't they?
1: My understanding is, yeah, it's not that but, hard to the, in fact, a But they have in a like, school. They just, in a they, school it. In a
0: school, I'd be surprised. You know, I know right. you can carry a gun in a school in New Hampshire. You're not banned from carrying guns in a school well, there in New was Hampshire. Well, there was a gun-free uh, school. Federal and, buildings
1: and... Courthouse. Right. There was a, my a federal gun free schools act. But my understanding is that um, at least provisions of that were ruled unconstitutional. So there was a federal law that applied to, to like high schools and things like that. But my understanding is that that got shot. A lot of that got shot down in a court case years ago.
2: The point is so. a would that guy have pulled that stunt if people were allowed to have guns in that meeting. Uh, I'm talking about the guy at the school board meeting who waved a gun around, basically, it, and told everyone to leave and then started
0: shooting at people. It, it may not be the best example to use for that, only because he shot himself at the end. Right? Didn't he kill himself at the end? Right. So, so yeah, he wasn't that but, afraid. Uh, maybe he wasn't that afraid of someone
2: shooting him, shoot him. But didn't somebody
1: else shoot him? Didn't the police but it, it, but the shoot thing He is, shot himself
0: because he was wounded
2: by a security guard. But. Oh really?
1: Yeah, he he got shot by somebody else first, but then he he, he
0: okay. finished that. Well, without a doubt, yeah. I mean he he was incredibly. Apparently, he was just horrible with a gun and, and missed everyone, but except oh, for yeah. himself, except for himself. Yeah. Uh, but uh, I imagine that um, you know th- there's still a lot, a very high likelihood someone could have gotten hurt badly before the security guard could have gotten in there and stopped him, and and it just. Um, Without a doubt, the thought is someone could have stopped him before that if they were, you know, if, they, right. if you had a, a 10% carry rate on average, you know, even if a lot of people didn't carry guns, my thought is if you had 10% carry rate, then, you know, imagine 10%, then, then let's say there's 30 people in that room, then say three of them on average had a gun on them, then how far would he go? How far would you get? Be able not to very go? far. You know, it,
1: no, and it, well, that's this is what you that's see a high s- carry
0: rate compared right. to now. I mean, not ten percent of the population is not carrying guns around.
1: No, so. I'm sure it varies state by state, but I would I would imagine that in most places it's much lower than that. But the, I mean, you see the same thing in in schools, not just at school board meetings, but with the student populations or at colleges. I mean, we've seen a lot. Most of the the mass shootings that have occurred in the United States have happened in places where the the population is in theory they're disarmed. Whether you're talking about schools, yeah. Or colleges, which are you know, it's weird, It's a weird place for me to you. discuss
0: from because I'm personally not a gun. I'm not a fan of carrying myself, but, um, but I do. I just I. It's, but even from a position, even from that position, I still see you know this ineffectiveness of trying to use laws to disarm people. Yeah,
2: I don't own a gun either, but I can still see the logic behind it. Right, and, exactly, the, and yeah. the illogical of being afraid of open carry. Because you got to be afraid of the person who's got it hidden,
0: right? That that, that that's true. I mean, if you, if someone's gonna carry you, you know, someone open carrying is you know that's. But the, but again, is there's 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 this ira- there's this reaction of just to, to to guns, like just the sight of guns, it's the idea that they're out there, and and I even had it for quite a time. And actually coming to New Hampshire and being around people firing guns, and actually going shooting with people and things like that myself, I'm still not averse to that. They're going just going shooting, target shooting and stuff. Um, I, 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 uh, I'm not going to carry a gun myself on, on a regular basis, certainly, but just going shooting or something for fun. Uh, but uh, so but it's but yeah, I mean, it, it gets over the sort of phobia that gets built into you from, from well, the culture. The, of, I, right.
1: You know. I think the phobia exists partly because especially if you watch a lot of TV or you watch a lot of movies. Oh, I mean, yeah. It's always whenever there's a gun in the situation, someone's always getting shot. Yeah. In real life dramatically speaking it doesn't it's, that's, right. you know
0: and that's and it's that way because of the culture of the fear of guns you can't have a gun in a situation casually right you know in a, in a drama in a dramatic situation and that's because people have this fear about them and someone was saying why are people freaking out this guy didn't even hit anyone you know what's so what's the big what's the? you know What's violent about it? The media was describing it as this horribly violent thing, and, and he didn't even hit anyone. I'm like, he fired a gun. That's violent to a lot of people. That's that's all it took. He was,
1: he was, he, I assume he was probably trying to hit I mean, He people, was but. being violent, but I mean, <laughs> I, I can't remember the
0: exact uh, description, but yeah. So um, call in at 603-435-1105 if you'd like to bring up a subject or chime in on something that we're talking about here. This is Free Talk Live. You're listening to Free Talk Live, uh, you are probably listening online since that's the only way to listen to the Sunday show. But you can also be watching if you don't know about the cam. You can go to cam.freetalklive.com, be listening live as well as see the studio cam where you can catch us doing all kinds of embarrassing things in the studio. Um, so, hello, everybody. Go to English.freetalklive.com if you would like to make twenty to thirty dollars an hour all online from your home. You'll be conducting English conversations on Skype with folks from other countries, like Japan, for example. So get this. They will pay you handsomely to help keep up their already learned English. Let's say Kaiko from Japan knows that if she doesn't use it, she will lose it. She needs you for your natural English-speaking gift. So get the ebook and discover how to find these passionate people who will pay to talk to you on Skype. So check out English.FreeTalkLive.com and start your own online English conversation business. That's English.FreeTalkLive.com. You'll love yourself for it. So uh, it looks like Don't Ask, Don't Tell. Uh, in the Senate, they voted Saturday to repeal the Don't Ask, Don't Tell ban on gays in the military, marking a major victory for gay rights and an impending end to the 17-year-old Don't Ask, Don't Tell policy. Those aren't my words. This is from Politico, uh, an article in Politico. So it's gone through the Senate. The bill now, now heads to President Barack Obama, who plans to sign it into law, overturning what repeal advocates believed was a discriminatory policy that has unfairly ended the careers of thousands of gay members of the military now there's a lot of there's a lot of a uh, controversy surrounding this in the libertarian circles in particular because uh, you know some some people are saying, well, you know it's great that you know you can get out of the military <laughs> if you're gay, right? You, you, you can right. use the, this, this is This we is we want people to be able
1: to serve as possible.
0: <laughs> that was going to be my excuse if they drafted me. But. <laughs> well, hey, you know, this, it, it wasn't really. I mean, it's complicated how it happened and everything. But I am out of the military early because of being gay. So. That's, you know, that's, and then they came to me, I didn't like run to them and say, I want out, I'm gay, you know, but it, you know, essentially they did kind of come to me about it and I did contemplate and decide I didn't want to fight it. I didn't want to put up a fight. I kind of did want out and I I just wasn't really expecting to get out or anything. I wasn't going to go to them about it. But when they came to me, I said, I am not going to make a deal. (laughs) I'm just going to take this and go, you know? So, um, and now writer, you don't think that, that, um, a lot of people don't think it's going to go very far because... It's going to be a big struggle now. The military is going to put up a fight about it. Well, I don't know if they're going to put up a
2: fight, but the fact is, even if Congress uh, says it's repealed, the military is going to say, well, we still need time to implement this. And this isn't me making this up. This is what other people are saying about it. Sure. uh, With sources that the military is going to take their sweet time implementing this new thing. um, So it might not result in any changes immediately or even in the near future, but... And the other thing is Don't Ask, Don't Tell was a policy that came after the no gays in the military rule. Um, but right. I assume when they say Don't Ask, Don't Tell is repealed, they also mean the repeal of no gays allowed in the military. Uh, yeah, I'm because assuming that. Because technically to d- repeal Don't Ask, Don't Tell
1: wouldn't <laughs> get rid of that rule. is it interesting? Yeah, it's an interesting point. That,
0: that would be a funny, uh, like, loophole. <laughs>
1: but, I mean, wasn't there a fair amount of support? Except, I think the Marine Corps was the only service that was really pushing hard against this.
0: Mm, I didn't get the impression there was much support at all. I think it was a big fight. I mean, what happened is uh, this happened right after I got kicked out. I was, it was don't ask, don't tell was not in effect when I uh, was kicked out of the military in '92. So and I it was shortly after that, when Clinton basically ran on a position of ending the get the ban on gays in the military, and when he got into office, and said, like, okay, here we go, and all you had to do in theory was sign an executive order ending the ban because he's the you know the commander in chief of the military. As the president. So the idea was just sign it off and it's gone. And they, they, they basically threatened Congress and such. It was a Republican Congress. were threatened to make it, make it into law. And so uh, there was a whole bunch of apologetics going around for why he didn't just executive order it and end it. And so then that, that's when a bunch of, that's when a lot of compromising happened. And then ultimately, don't ask, don't tell, uh, replaced the old ban on, the milita- on gays in the military. So effectively, the ban's gone. It is technically gays are not banned from the military. Gays are banned from being openly gay, but gays are banned from being gay,
1: <laughs> uh. <laughs> from,
0: from acting
1: gay, or, it go, or doing though?
0: anything gay in the while they're in the military, or telling anyone that they're doing it. You're, you're supposed to. I mean, it's so much. It's enforced so many different ways under different commands and things because like the that. the thing that's always baffled but, me is you know.
1: that people must know you're gay. I mean, are, do you get ejected from the military if they find out you're gay? Because of things you did before you were in the military? I mean, if you join the military at age 20 and someone... You're not supposed to talk about those. Right, but what if you don't talk about it, but your unit becomes aware of it?
0: I think that I've heard of people getting kicked out for that. I mean, it's one of those things that, you know, different commands enforce it all kinds of different arbitrary ways. So basically, the
1: new rule says that you can serve in the military and be gay as long as no one else knows about it.
0: Sort of. I mean, what it did did is it gave command some leeway to not kick people out a little, you know... Uh, essentially because people were still kicking people. It's a lot of kick, people still getting kicked out for really arbitrary reasons. And it's the kind of thing where you, you weren't supposed to do anything. You weren't supposed to be like you. I heard that you weren't supposed to even engage in any homosexual act activity, even outside of, you know, the military, like, you know, Having a boyfriend, and you're, right? And your off time, A same sex partner, uh, off time, and uh, or and you certainly weren't supposed to tell anyone, not even not even like people you lo- know and trust. You know, you weren't supposed like to your tell family. Your, you're supposed to be like completely closeted. Basically, it, it almost sounded like nothing different than before. Because if you completely if you're completely closeted, never tell anyone, never act on it, you, you could be in the you know you could right. be in the military. But so. there was
1: some leeway there to <laughs> and look and, the other and way. some
0: commands were some were really lenient about it, and some others weren't. And, and I've heard stories. I had a friend who was in. After Don't Ask, Don't Tell was in, and, and uh, he had a command who was incredibly lenient about it. He was very openly gay. He wore gay T-shirts on the base, and he had his. He had, what got me was he had a. He's had boyfriends over in a barracks where he's like sharing a room with three other guys, and all of his roommates were cool. That when you know he's like on a bunk bed with his boyfriend, <laughs> and I was like, "This is yeah, this is an incredibly, right, so incredibly lenient command, but right. it, it varies a lot, you know." So. I don't know. So it sounds like, um, so where it's at right now is they voted 65 to 31 and it mar- it says it marked a historic and emotional moment for the gay rights movement, handed Obama a surprising political triumph in the closing days of the 111th Congress. The legislation had been left for dead as recently as last week when Senate Republicans blocked efforts to advance it. But on final passes, the bill won the support of eight Republicans, an unexpectedly high total The repeal, which will not take effect for many months, ushers in a major cultural shift for a military that has operated under the Don't Ask, Don't Tell policy since the first year of former President Bill Clinton's term. So shortly after the final tally was announced, a handful of top White House officials, led by Deputy Chief Chief of Staff Jim Messina and Senior Advisor Valerie Jarrett, congratulated and embraced gay rights leaders who had gathered just off the Senate floor. "It's It's an historic moment, said Jarrett, who had never attended a vote before. It wouldn't have happened without Congress, obviously, the president's leadership and so many people across the country who became engaged in the issue. Everybody played a vital role in today's success. Um, the Senate vote cat months of uncertainty about whether Congress or the federal courts where gay, uh, where gay rights advocates are fighting the ban would act first to repeal the policy. S- the real drama had already come a few hours earlier when the repeal bill cleared a crucial procedural hurdle the 63 to 33 cloture was three more than needed to beat back a republican filibuster
1: so now the question is how quickly does it get implemented <laughs> <Really>? <laughs> yeah, i guess so. or
2: how quickly do uh too many republicans get in there and they swing it back the other <laughs> that's way that's cool.
0: yep, possible as well uh, call in sure. your thoughts 603-435-1105 this is free talk live This is Free Talk Live. You can call in anytime at 603 435 1105. This is co host edition with your host, Dale Dalebert. And Nick. And Ryder. So, we were just talking about the Don't Ask, Don't Tell repeal, which has gotten through Senate and Obama has pledged to sign it, has just said that he would sign it. So, uh, with support, it says, with support for, from all but one member of the Democratic caucus and help from six Republicans, the standalone bill overcame the 60 vote threshold required to move forward. Republican senators who voted yes with the Democrats in the cloture vote were Mark Kirk of Illinois. Uh, I'm not going to name them all. I don't care. <laughs> uh, senators Richard Burr of North Carolina and John Ensign of Nevada joined the six other Republicans in bucking their party on the historic final vote. Uh, it was a difficult vote for many of them. Collins, who introduced the legislation with Senator Joe Lieberman, said it for colleagues. But in the end, they concluded as I have concluded that we should welcome the service of any qualified individual who is willing to put on the uniform of this country Fight for us in war zones and put freedom on the line for us. Oh, don't you love that rhetoric? (laughs) West Virginia Senator Joe Manchin, who previously stated his opposition to the repeal, was the only Democrat to miss the vote because of a family holiday gathering, his spokeswoman said. Obama called the Senate vote a historic step toward ending a discriminatory policy that weakens America's national security and violates the ideals troops risk their lives to defend. So, um, yeah, I think a lot of... Uh, I've seen some discussion about this amongst my friends who are primarily, you know, my libertarian friends. And so, and there's sort of an attitude, of a lot of people of like, eh, so what? And you know, it, 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 and, and I'm anti-military in general, you know? So, so the question is, I don't, I don't what, think we should have a standing matter? military. <laughs> I'm, I'm amongst a lot of people who doesn't believe that America should have a standing military. I, I, I don't, you know, I'm a, I'm not, I'm not for a, uh, an an authoritarian monopoly form of government. So, <laughs> I'm for voluntary government. So, obviously, this it doesn't would really not be standing anything. Right, <laughs> right. But uh, even in the context of the fact that we do have an authoritarian monopoly form of government that's posing itself on everyone, um, there's a lot of people even within that context that don't believe we got to have a standing military. That's something Mark talks about, um, a, a regular co-host on the show, and. um I, so, I, well
1: I I'm one of those people who falls into the camp where I yeah. I would ex- I would accept government to a point but there's no need to have a standing military unless you're acting as an aggressor which is largely what has happened since we've had one so right. it's it's kind of it does point out that if, if when you have a standing a, military all you have around, a hammer
0: everything looks like a nail right, <laughs> right. I mean
1: if you only need a standing military around when you're a militaristic society and that's not something I want to be, although apparently in the United States today we we are, to a large extent, whether we like to admit it or not. And um, I, I, I was kicked out of the military
0: for being gay in 1992 before Don't Ask, Don't Tell was implemented. It was just a ban. You just weren't allowed in if you were gay. They just flat out asked you, are you gay? Oh, you can't be in then. <laughs> Unless there's a war. And then all of a sudden that kind of just stops that being as important. That question stops being, you know? being asked. <laughs> when they need people badly enough, the ban seems to not be important anymore, which, which immediately undermines... The, the whole premise of it, the whole notion that it's, you know, you can't have gay people in the military. It's going to undermine morale and it's going to disrupt things. And, well, if all of a sudden you drop the ban when you really need people, that, that doesn't really fly, right? Right. Sorry
1: to point You would think that during a war when, when they need people the most— unit cohesion would be more important than during peacetime. Right. So you would think it would be even more important to break down gay even harder if and... gay people broke down unit cohesion. But of course,
0: you know, and then you know, of course a lot of people when there's a war and then when especially when there's a draft, all of a sudden gay people are coming out of the woodwork, right? <laughs> like everyone's gay all of a sudden. There's a draft going on. But did, yeah. but what's better for the
2: military to have a draft and have people that don't want to be in there in there or to allow the gay people in there and possibly affect you know the morale of some of them, um, and the if people get upset at that. But at least you have people in there that are volunteering.
1: Hmm. Yeah. Our conscripts don't. Fight I too find
0: well. that. Yeah. I, I. You know the thing about this is I. I kind of. I in general I don't care. I don't care what Congress is saying about. You know whether they approve of gay people doing different things and stuff. I don't look to the government for validation of my lifestyle <laughs> or of myself or whatever that I'm a, that I'm an important person. And my self-esteem is not attached to what Congress thinks of me and things like that. But I do find that this is interesting from a cultural standpoint because I, you know politically things happen politically when the cultural when when the culture has shifted. The culture has to be there for the politics, and then the politics follows that. I often find it's it's putting the cart before the horse. I think people trying to do politics that's bucking culture, you know, it's just not gonna it's not gonna happen. <laughs> I mean, you need to you know affect the culture shift, and then you can do all kinds of and then the politics will follow. All kinds of politics will follow that. But but um, it, I do think it seems culturally significant, and I think that it's a sign that uh, you know, it's it's a, it's a chiseling away at it, and it's it's I think it's a, the next will be gay marriage. That's the next big hurdle. Right, but then is, you've got you know, the you, they overturned you have, sodomy laws some years ago.
1: Right, but you've got the debate about gay marriage as well in libertarian yeah. circles. Because oh yeah, there's a question of should you get a government marriage at all?
0: And I and, I, and I've said many times. First of all, I'm not going to fight for gay marriage because I don't do politics. I don't go. I don't call my senator. I don't go vote. I don't run for office. I don't hold signs for people. I, it's just not my thing. I don't have faith in that process, and I don't do it. I'm, I'm not highly. I'm no longer highly critical of people who choose to do it, but. But uh, I don't personally feel any any motivation whatsoever to do it, and so I'm not going to go out and fight for gay marriage. I'm not going to call my senators about it. I'm not going to, you know, plaster Facebook with you know all that stuff. But I do. I, and I've always said I wouldn't get a, a government marriage. If, if if they say okay that I can get a government marriage, uh, then I, I, I say I, I've always said I wouldn't do it. Still, but then I found myself thinking, well, what if I what if I fall in love with a Mexican? Or, you know, someone from someone who doesn't have a, uh, I guess you have, have to move to Mexico in that case. I mean, that's well, <laughs> the only that's one
1: alternative, right? It's I mean, an alternative.
0: But it's, see, I'm not it's, it's, I'm not going to bend over backwards to avoid getting a government <laughs> right. marriage. I mean, it, it's like if, if that's what it takes to to, to keep my, uh, you know, to keep my 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 husband, I would probably call him my husband, whether I get a government marriage right. or not, I'd probably get a marriage of I would probably get a marriage. I just wouldn't go to the government for it. But if it the way if, if it takes <laughs> yeah if it takes getting a paper the piece of paper from the government so they won't hunt down my my husband and drag him out of the country, what might I do that? Might I cave in and get a government marriage? Yeah, I might. I, mean, I wouldn't feel great about it, but but you know it's one of those things, just like paying taxes that I don't feel like I should pay taxes. Sometimes you got to do things I, just
1: to get along. Yeah, I don't feel we'll like really I should have to have pay taxes, to but
0: under duress, you know, I you know, and I'm very forgiving of other people who do things under duress, and I'm also very. Uh, Proud of people who, who, who courageously do things despite the duress.
1: Right. It's, it's not convenient to not play by the rules. Although, I mean, a lot, of, a lot of heterosexual couples now are not getting married. Marriage rates are down, at least uh, from what I've been hearing. It's mostly among lower and middle class people. But even people who are cohabitating, having kids, a lot of people just aren't getting married. Because they don't want – whether, whether yeah. it's the government process or they don't want to have to go through divorce proceedings if, it, you know, if there's a breakup. They don't have to go through the legal process, and it's not quite as costly if you don't have a marriage license in the first place. So, I mean – Exactly. I know, so I know a couple, in fact, here in New
0: Hampshire who's married, has a government marriage, and they're talking about getting a divorce from the government. <laughs> in other words, dissolving – they would get a divorce officially – Right. And, but they and they'd get married and they'd maintain their marriage in in the spiritual sense of everything that it means to them and and the commitment to each other. But they'd get the government out of it, and I'm wholeheartedly
2: that. Uh, behind that. They do it for so tax reasons it. too. Well, yeah, you could probably sure. do that after you get your Mexican
0: here, right? You just get him here. <laughs> I'm not saying. Look, I'm not in love with a Mexican right now, not at the moment. Okay, but uh, it could happen. You know, I you know, Latinos, great lovers. Let me tell you. Uh, no, but seriously yeah I, I, but 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 they don't have that issue right they're not they're both citizens and so they, they can they can dissolve their government marriage and i'm i'm a big fan of well that some people I'm do sure. it
2: just because everyone else does it
0: and yeah well that's okay all right uh you have something to say about this or some other topic you can call in at 603-435-1105 this is free talk live This is the co-host edition of Free Talk Live, where you can call in anytime you like and talk about whatever is on your mind or chime in on one of the subjects we're talking about tonight. We're about to talk about the Winter Solstice Lunar Eclipse Overlap, which is the first one in 456 years, so that should be interesting. This is your host, Dale
1: Burt. And Nick.
0: And Ryder. And uh, so, the, the the lunar eclipse, apparently I got some... Uh, got some um, piqued some interest in this earlier. So, well, um,
1: it, it sounds interesting in that it happens so infrequently.
0: So, this means we're close to the end of the world, right? It's probably another sign of the end of the world that everyone's going to get all in a hubbub about and then nothing's going to happen. <laughs> and uh, I th-
1: I'm here. actually, I'm a little bit nervous about this one because I think people might get a little bit panicky and just react to world events. Really? Like, what? I, who I'm is all even all
2: paying attention to I, this? I, this some is the first I've the heard the, of it. Some this people is, think
1: the, well, oh, I just
0: heard of it myself.
2: What, like, the
1: end of the world, 2012? No, no. No, this uh,
0: eclipse. The eclipse. I'm not talking
1: about this. Oh, you're oh. talking about 2012. I'm talking about, like, people, some people legitimately think the world's going to end. Oh. Well, they and thought
0: that for the, well, not quite the world ending, but they thought that the Y2K, uh, the Y2K thing Well, was some going. people
1: did, like, actually yeah. stock up for the end of the world. Yeah, but so I, what?
0: That's their big... That's their right,
2: thing. but they
1: misspent a lot of money. I'm just saying people can act irrationally, and if something <laughs> bad happens and you think the world's ending... You can still
2: month, eat those canned beans, even <laughs> if the end of the world doesn't it's come. A, it's not a waste a waste of okay, money. Okay,
1: but having 100 canisters of propane for a grill, you can do that. I mean, I, I guess eventually you can use it up.
2: But. Uh, okay. Okay.
1: Yeah, if it you got to be keep, prepared, a
2: point in getting it right. Well, right. when it, it does, keeps. when it does actually end, you're going to be looking stupid. You're going to be the ant. No, wait, the grasshopper. I'm not saying
1: don't. I'm not. i am not saying don't be. I, I, I have no problem with preparedness stuff. I'm just saying when people think that the world is going to end, I, I just I don't. It makes, me, it makes me nervous when somebody actually thinks that the world's going to end. Well, in they, a year.
0: but they, that's just it, though. A lot of people it's think it years. all the time. There's always. Yeah, pe- but this if that gr- was
1: going through my head, I would, I would be doing much different things than I'm doing right now. If I thought sure, sure. legitimately it was going to end in a couple years. Well, you'd of years,
0: probably be banging everything with a hole in it.
1: Right. And I'd be doing, <laughs> I'd be doing every drug I could possibly do. I shouldn't say do. that about
0: you, Nick. I'm could... oh, sorry, I'm projecting.
1: <laughs> 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 I'd, be, I'd be doing every drug I could possibly do, and I probably wouldn't care much about a career or any. So, I mean, I just. Well, you should be
0: experimenting a... with a few drugs anyway. I, Carefully. I've... No, I'm kidding. I'm ki- kids, <laughs> don't <laughs> listen to me. That was a joke. Bad
1: things <laughs> do happen when you play with
0: drugs. Well, I'm not going to say that either. They can happen. It can. can. It's, you know, they it's risky. Know I
1: mean. It's risky. There's some risk involved. You're taking a
0: risk. Yeah. You know, it's just like you, you know, if you jump out of an airplane with a parachute, it might not open. You know, that's a danger. You're taking a risk in order to have some fun. I know so. I'd
1: be doing stuff like that now if the world was going to end. So what's the deal with this so eclipse So this now? is
0: not going to end the world. I'm fairly confident of that. It's a solstice-eclipse overlap. Mm-hmm. So it's going to be a winter solstice and an eclipse. So it's going to be an eclipse that happens during winter solstice, which is that month of the year, which is the shortest day of the or year. It's the day of the year, the shortest day a day of the year, right? Yeah. So, and then and after the winter solstice, the days will start getting longer again over as the seasons progress. So, this is uh this is in the Gazette, uh, the Montreal Gazette. It's from Ottawa. This year's winter solstice, an event that will occur next Tuesday will coincide with a full lunar eclipse and a union that hasn't been seen in 456 years. The celestial eccentricity holds special significance for spiritualities that tap into the energy of the winter solstice, the shortest day of the year and a time that is associated with the rebirth of the sun. There's I mean, a lot watch, of witchy stuff going right, on. Right,
1: or if you watch Zeitgeist, <laughs> they'll tell you that's why we celebrate Christmas this time of year, which is largely true, I think.
0: Yeah, uh, th- almost certainly. I mean, it, it, it's winter solstice was a... It was a, there were a lot of there's a lot of pagan ceremonies and stuff that happened around then and and. Um and a lot of pagan traditions were carried over into Christian traditions. Well, and it was
1: and, a very easy and, yeah, transition of, to make, really. The it, birth
0: of um, Jesus almost certainly didn't happen this time of year.
1: No, th- I think uh, I think I've, from I mean I don't study this stuff, it, that, but it, from it what I've heard, there's a pretty solid rac- body of evidence that says it was probably in the spring, more towards yeah. Easter.
0: It, it's it's a date that was chosen to celebrate, which is fine. I mean, I don't think do, do you have problem, writer? You have problems with them picking a good date for it? I do know, you know. No, there's no issue with <laughs> that. We don't know the date if you really want. <laughs> really. To go
2: back to the source of why it's celebrated now, though, I think you have to find the source of why the pagan celebrated now, and it was because
0: of the solstice. Is that? Well, it's also because yeah, it's, it's also a, rebirth, a rebirth of the sun, rebirth of the sun. Almost, every, almost, any, um, almost any mythology has a sun god. Now, right?
2: do the pagans celebrate with lights too, like Christmas light kind of stuff? Well, or? that's largely uh, where that came from
1: as well. The 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 lights on the Christmas tree, which the the tree is is really there's, that, a, there's a tradition in sure. pagan,
0: there's a pagan tradition called bringing in the green. Right. You know, is You take evergreen plants, and so you take. You know, they didn't. It wasn't necessarily a, tr- a whole tree, but they would mistletoe, bring in piece, They would bring in They would bring in evergreen branches and things, and wreaths, and and light, You know, all the the decorations made from evergreen plants to kind of br- have some something alive and from outside because they can't go outside much. Right. So they're Stuck inside. That and,
2: was my other question. Know. Is it because? Is it the lights and the plants because? There's such a lack of it outside. When you say the shortest day of the year, you mean the shortest daylight hours, and a right. lot of people are physically and emotionally affected by stuff like that. That, and, that,
0: and, that may very well,
2: well be. I'm not sure. At
1: the time, at the time these traditions came about, there was a lot more significance to the seasons too, because it was cold. You probably lived in a hut. There wasn't electricity to produce light. I mean, we're talking we're talking before the time. It of was probably Christ, fairly expensive
0: well. to have a lot of light, so it's a, you know it's a it's a festive occasion where you. You go, you know, you go overboard a little bit, and you you splurge and have and burn okay. some extra oil, and have you know, right. So part. I mean, it's it's maybe that's the you know, it's yeah. a celebration. So right.
1: it's a celebration because the light's coming back, and that means summer's coming back. So that's and where it comes from. They
0: do go into this a little bit. It says it's a, it's it's a ritual of transformation from darkness into light. Says Nicole Cooper, a high priestess at Toronto's Wiccan Church of Canada. That's witches, Wiccans. Uh, it's the idea that when things seem really bleak. It's often our be- our biggest opportunity for personal transformation. The idea that the sun and the moon are almost at their darkest at this point in time really only further goes to hammer that home. Cooper said Wiccans also see great significance in the unique coupling of the masculine energy of the sun and the feminine energy of the moon, transformative energies that she plans to incorporate into the church's winter solstice rituals. Since the last time an eclipse and the winter solstice happened simultaneously was just under five centuries ago, Cooper said she wasn't familiar with any superstitions or mythologies associated with it.
1: Probably happens so infrequently. I mean, you're talking every... Pro- well, I don't know if it's a regular occurrence, but I would think it's probably about every 500 years. If
2: you had decorations for this event, they would be in the attic for a long time. <laughs> yeah. I think that's what Nick is saying. Yeah,
1: yeah, I I don't
0: think. Yeah, I, I can't imagine that there's like a, a a plan for this. It's like it's new every time, you know? It's like right. it's happened 500 years right. since the last time. I,
1: somehow I don't think it, you know, some- I have no idea if it's
0: a cyclical thing or if it changes, you know, if it's just... well. It- is it going to be? Is it going to happen again in 456 years? I don't know. Well, it, and then you've got
1: leap years. So, do we miss? Is what do we miss one one year because of the leap year? You see what I'm saying? Does it get pushed off? No. I leap, don't have any idea years, what you're saying? Because every four years you have the extra day. Yes. Which the calendar, the calendar year would would shift. I can't saying, imagine. If it was on a regular schedule, what I'm saying is man time might not only line up with that regular schedule. But
0: but if it's on a cycle like that, I'm years. saying it would be 456 years But the solstice so isn't right.
2: based off of a calendar day. It's no. based off of an axis position, which can be December 21st or 22nd. So I would think the leap oh, year would, have, yeah, no, that's a good point. would that's, have no effect. That's a good
1: point. That's a good point.
0: Anyway, <laughs> I'm sure there's an app for it to figure it out. Yeah. All right. Well. I doubt there's an app for it. Uh, someone plug this into your iPod and, or your i not your iPod. Sorry, your iPhone,
1: iPod
2: Touch, will support apps. Actually, okay. that's not
1: a bad idea though, because there probably is not an app. So one of the listeners out there, if they're feeling ambitious, if they actually want to work out the math on this, patent it quick. Right, then you can actually put an app. In there. <laughs> <laughs> I,
0: I, they won't need it again for, for five hundred years.
1: <laughs> for five hundred years, since the
0: last. Well, I don't know. It might happen in twenty years. It's just a know. countdown to it the next one. That's what thing. the app would be. Well,
1: yeah, no, you could plan out how you know the next twenty events like this.
0: Okay, so it's several countdowns. You know, the thing. Right. Th- the, these things are rare. You know, I, but I hear about these things almost every couple of years. I hear about some major, uh, astr. Astro- Astronomical well, event. Well, that's a good point too. I mean, it, it, every something. I mean, obviously, this you know, this is a rare thing. Well, there's but a lot of the crap seems like there's in the stuff sky. going on all the well, time. Yeah, there's a lot rare. of
1: crap in the sky. It's going to line up with. Other crap in the sky. Every once in a while, that's a great way to put it.
0: <laughs> that, there's a lot of crap up
2: there,
1: well, and it lines
0: up with other crap. It's true.
1: I mean, I'm sure Venus and Mars are in line. Astronomy.
2: We every are studying the crap in the sky.
1: <laughs> it's true. Well, it's what we were talking about, though, because you can you can say it's a rare astrological event when I don't know uh, Saturn and Jupiter are in line, but that's going to happen just randomly by chance. Every well, so this, often. there was.
0: I remember all the planets lined up. Uh, and that was around Do you remember when all the planets lined up And there were people saying that was no. going to be the end of the world and How long ago is this? That was in Tomb Raider 1, the movie That, that happened in my lifetime It happened huh. when I was about 20-ish And I know that because That was a, I, that night we went up to the, to the top of Stone Mountain in Georgia uh, I lived near there And uh, we went up to the top we, called, we went up Stone Mountain And there were people chanting in a circle And I came out to my best friend at the time, at that night, and, and he you said, he thought the world was he made, he made Did you think me. the world
2: was ending?" And no, that's I didn't, you were but he
0: just—it was just—it was just the time for some reason. And my friend said, "Oh, it took the planets lining up for you to tell me that you a gay." So, whatever. This is Free Talk Live. If you'd like to talk about this or something else, call in at 603-435-1105 You're listening to the co-host edition of Free Talk Live, and this is your host, Dalebert And Ryder.
7: And Dennis.
0: And
2: uh, Ryder wants to tell us something about English. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the interwebs. Yes, this is so cool. Did you know that there are smart folk all over the world who need to meet you? Why? Well, if you're from an English-speaking country, then check out english.freetalklive.com right this very second to find out. If you're listening to this podcast, then pause it right now and check out the site. Go to english.freetalklive.com and discover how to create your own online business. All you need to get started is the ebook, the internet, Skype, a webcam, cam, and a microphone. What an inexpensive way to become your own boss and uh, that oversees a rewarding and challenging job that requires your unique creativity and passion. Pause the podcast and visit english.freetalklive.com right now.
0: So, um, so we were talking about the solstice eclipse. Now it's the first overlap of uh, both having a solstice and an eclipse in 456 years. And now um, uh, Nick had to go, and Dennis uh, has joined us. Greetings. Hi, Dennis. So what are your thoughts on all the crap in the sky that
7: lines up? Uh, (laughs) (laughs) No, we were talking about this before, and I'm saying that technically line of sight, it doesn't really line up. But yes, from where we are standing. Well, it's lining up in a... Physical point of you know you know physically point lining up you right know,
0: now from, we're not well, even, this is a from time perspective Talking yes it, this our is our these aren't objects that are yeah. lining up in this case though this is actually events that are just happening at the same time so you have the eclipse which is sort of like lining up you have the shadow of the I guess the, the Earth's shadow is falling on the Moon right a yes lunar, was, a lunar, lunar eclipse, eclipse yes and so we have that happening all on the twenty first the winter solstice which is the shortest
7: day of the year and so it's just a coincidence it's yes. two events happening at the same time. And it's a fun coincidence, because any coincidence to party, revelry, just get drunk Poor, I say is a great coincidence. The, the solstice eclipse party? Um, That's what I like about Wiccans. I, I actually <laughs> went
0: to a... I went to a pagan class um, when I was younger, and it was just sort of an interesting thing to explore and everything. And of course, they believe in magic and spell casting and all that stuff. But the, the fun thing about Wiccans is they get naked to do all kinds of stuff. And yeah,
7: uh, no, no I, <laughs> not as I, much as you. Might. It depends on what so group you're with. There, I'm down. Yeah,
0: I was actually with a you know a, from from a Wiccan point of view, it was probably a fairly conservative Wiccan group because they did their ceremonies. And they were naked underneath their robes, but they they usually wore robes. But they would occasionally have like a, an event, say like a marriage. Mm-hmm. If they had in a Wiccan marriage, typically the couple is nude. Okay, <laughs> and uh, and the, and the, for the guests, it's like it, it's like a clothing optional event, and the guests can come in robes with nothing underneath or something like that. I and, think I
7: have to join a Wiccan. I like yeah, the group. it's very I important that
0: sounds... you wear like all natural. It needs to be like cotton or wool or something, not polyester. Your robes, you know, that will interfere with the spell casting or whatever. Wait, wait,
7: so. wait. No, okay. <laughs> Why does polyester interfere with spell casting? I, it's <laughs> Dennis. No, I, I have I, no idea. I, I, I need to get a flame of fire to come out of my fingertips. They, and can't, they can't make flames. Polyester's like, no. If they can
0: make flames come out of their fingertips,
7: I Disco would be stole there. It from us. Dude, I would
0: be there right now if they could shoot fire out of their fingers. I would do it just for that. But I mean, you know, honest, that would be I would my religion in a heartbeat. Yeah. But it's that's always stuff that's untestable, right? It's yeah. always stuff that you can't actually prove whether. But like it actually I convinced you
7: that you thought that maybe perhaps things happened. Yeah. Yeah. Not cool.
0: Yeah. Maybe something is. It's just awfully hard to. to I'll stick tell. to my science. <laughs> but it's cool that you know. <laughs> hey, if it's if it's if you're having fun, uh, you know. That, that yeah it's like, it says uh let's see it says since the last let's see hold on a second cooper said wiccans also see great significance in the unique coupling of the masculine energy of the sun and the feminine energy of the moon and she says uh since the last time an eclipse and the winter solstice happened simultaneously was just under five centuries ago cooper said she wasn't familiar with any superstitions or mythologies associated with it Instead, she said they can only be interpreted personally. Wiccans don't think of things as being good or evil. They just are. Our experience of them makes them positive or negative for us. The Winter Solstice also played an important role in Greco-Roman rituals. I don't know why they're bringing up the whole Actually, notion about Wiccans being believing in good and evil or yeah, what does that have to do with this event.
7: And personally, like, from what I've understood by pagan relations, is that good and evil are not what they're about. I, yeah. It's and Writer, the, the, here's the issue: is like 450 years ago, weren't they burning witches?
0: Um, it, was yeah, 1550s, it may not yeah. have been these witches though. See, because you have um, you have Wiccans, which sort of um, which you know, and they refer to themselves as witches, but you also have sort of like the sort of a Catholic fabrication. I want to say Catholic, but but I think they're probably they were the most organized religion at the time, and yeah. this so the 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 fabrication of witches, the devil worshiping witches, and when you're talking about Wiccans, they don't even believe in the devil. No. Well, the, um, the, the whole, so it's, well, it's like a the devil being a goat was
7: together. coming from the idea of like more of a satyrs and stuff like that. And like, so yeah, the Christians and there's, were just and there's trying the, to... There's a,
0: there's, a, there's, there's a God that, the, there's a God called Pan who might be associated, some people might Pan, associate, but, Dionysius, but he's not evil to Wiccans. Paul. He's not, you know, he's not the tempter. Bacchus. What, you were going to say something, Ryan?
2: I wasn't going to say, I was just going to say maybe the article had a word count. That they wanted to meet.
0: <laughs> that that's why they had
2: the useless information about the Wiccans that you didn't that, find any relevant hey, for. Hey, well,
0: you know, and maybe just trying to keep the article interesting. It's like a chance to talk about this religion that people are. Well, that's little, what they. Little, that's little, what
2: they do, right? Yeah. If something Everybody's just curious tangentially about relates, a lot of times they'll just add it to the article. Yeah,
0: yeah. that seems to be what's happening here. Well, they they're just given wanna... the, they're getting a chance to talk about their religion a little bit, and it's very um, it's a fairly small religion in the big scheme of things in Increase terms of the number Google of people that are count. involved. So. Uh, it says the winter solstice uh also we oh, already said this um, it played an important role in Greco-Roman rituals it's uh it's seen as a time of rebirth or renewal because astrologically it's a time where the light comes back said Shane Hawkins a professor of Greek and Roman studies of Carleton University in Ottawa for the ancient Romans it was also a time of great feasting and debauchery Now there we go Yeah I'm there. feasting and debauchery I'm all for
7: Well actually Any excuse funny for story it? is uh, <laughs> they have found out that a lot of the people are are Conceived right around New Year's. Well, it could be, could it be not just New Year's, but like just like a continuation of the winter solstice. i mean, There's a lot of holidays around this area. Of time. a lot of people and,
0: are huddled up trying to stay warm, and and what
7: comes from huddling? Yeah, spooning leads or to working. cuddling.
0: Yeah, cuddling <laughs> up. Yeah, that's what happens. So <laughs> this is so here we go. <laughs> so after right the along. feasting and debauchery. It says, if the eclipse happened on the 21st, they might well have been drunk, he said. A lunar eclipse taking place during the solstice is not an event Hawkins has seen in research, but he said it would have been viewed as something special. Mm -hmm. Still is, apparently. Eclipses could be taken either way, he said. Certainly it would have been an omen, but it would have been up to the interpretation of specialists of whether it was good or bad. And that interpretation would likely be based on whatever was happening at the time. Mm -hmm. The last time the two celestial events happened at the same time, was in A.D. 1554, according to NASA, and I don't think they're going to tell us when the next one is because that would help us to determine, oh, is it going to be 456 years from now or is it not a cyclical thing like that? Maybe it's not going to line up, you know, maybe it's not predictable. Well, I,
7: I doubt it's that cyclical. It's because you've got to understand it's uh, two different orbital bodies and they're at different ellipses.
0: Yeah. yeah so so different
7: just, paths they're going to cross at different times. Who
0: knows? Says, an otherwise seemingly unacceptable year in recorded history, the darkened moon happened during a bleak year for Tudor England. Lady Jane Grey was beheaded for treason that year, while Princess Elizabeth Elizabeth was imprisoned in the Tower of London. Mary of Guise, the mother of Mary, Queen of Scots, became Regent of Scotland. Scientifically, however, it's just a coincidence of natural cycles. It's quite rare, but there's no profan- profound significance. It's luck of the draw. You got dealt four aces, said Robert Dick, an astronomy instructor at Carleton. The eclipse will start just after midnight Eastern time on Tuesday, with the main event starting at 1.30 a.m. Eastern time and lasting until 5.30 a.m. when the moon reappears. Hmm. So, now, I guess, is it, uh, I'm trying to think, I'm, I, I, I'm trying to think about what is happening physically, is uh, the, the Earth, the, the moon is in the Earth's shadow. hmm So, and it's, does that mean it's worldwide? No, Where it's like it's, a solar no, eclipse. No, no,
7: no, no, yes. It's just in our... Hi- It's just in our hemisphere.
0: You're wrong. The solar eclipse
7: is no. It's just in our hemisphere. I think a
0: solar eclipse is like a regional.
2: thing. It's anywhere
7: that someone can see the moon from. That's just it, and that's just in our hemisphere. If you're in China right now, like during on the 21st when it happened, you would not see it. But only because they can't see the moon at that time. If you're in North or South America, yeah, you would see it.
0: But no, but but it's essentially it's a it's a fairly worldwide event. You know, if you if you can see the moon,
7: half the half the sphere. Whereas a solar
0: (laughs) eclipse that you can you can map it, you can show the circle. Yeah, you can see where the spots are a small circle traveling across the earth and if you're in that circle excuse me if you're in that circle you're seeing a shadow on the on the sun yeah all right so we'll we'll talk we'll be back with more science <laughs> you can call in 603-435-1105 this is free talk live
7: This is the Sunday co-host edition of Free Talk Live with your host, Dalbert. And Ryder. And Dennis. Looking for the perfect treat to bring to this year's holiday party? Need a new gift idea for friends and family? This year, make it George's Famous Baklava. George's Famous Baklava is a walnut pastry with over 50 layers of melt-in-your-mouth mouth pillow. All the ingredients are premium and natural to ensure only the best taste. It's the perfect treat for any holiday party with friends, family, or coworkers. GFB is shift in a special container, Priority Mail, so it gets to you fast, fresh, and delicious. Order by Tuesday, December 21st, to make sure you have it in time for Christmas. Check out George's Famous Baklava at Mandrick.com. M-A-N-D-R-I-K dot com. No C in there. Mandrick dot com. Now if you enjoy Free Talk Live, you can. Uh, there's
0: all kinds of ways you can help promote the show at promote.freetalklive.com. And right now we have a caller, so we're going to go to the caller on the air. Caller, you are on the air with Free Talk Live.
4: Yeah, what's up? I'm a big fan.
0: Hi. Uh, who, who are, who's this and where are you calling from?
4: I'm uh, Devin from Long Island, New York. Hi, Devin. Hey, how's it going?
0: Good. So what's on your mind tonight? Uh, I wanted
3: to talk about uh, John Lennon, actually. Okay. Uh, what do you guys think
4: about him? Like, his political views and all that? Where he stands?
0: You're talking about, you said Lennon?
4: Oh, uh, John Lennon from the Beatles, you Oh, know? the
0: Beatles. <laughs> um, Well, can you get specific? Because, uh, you know, we only have... <laughs> uh, <laughs> Why don't you tell us, like, is there something specific you wanted to address about John Lennon? Because, you know...
1: He, i not I think These he got political views like
0: well it, he he said some things that could be interpreted i think as communist and i think he said some other things that could be set, definitely seen as sort of uh. broadly anti statist um yeah. i i tend to you know i i i thought he had i thought he had said some uh you know i, I thought there's mm-hmm. some there's some interesting things there
7: but uh honestly personally i think he he has he gives off the impression that he's very he loves people he wants people to do well I just think he had the bad, the wrong idea of how to go about it like a lot of like liberal ideas is that oh yeah the state can provide yeah. for you but the reality is it cannot and I don't think he ever ever got to that point where he realized it just it can't do that the state apparatus is too inefficient
6: yeah mm.
0: I, it seemed like a lot of the stuff that he talked about to me seemed very vague and broad and 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 he you know it so it's really hard to nail down as saying that he you know you'd have to tell me a specific statement of his for me to say to really evaluate it but the most of the stuff I heard him say i I would have a hard time disagreeing really strongly with it uh you know he, he you know he did, i think you know he's got a song where he talks about you know uh it sounds the song sounds like you know people not owning things and stuff like that Imagine. but yeah, so, so I honestly uh, every time imagine I
3: them,
4: there's no country.
0: There. Yeah, yeah, but some of that sounds kind of anarchist, too, sort of voluntarious. Yeah. <laughs> Part of this, when I hear the whole song,
7: like honestly, I think of the whole world just kind of, this is, this is kind of morbid, but every time I hear the whole song, I think of the world being just completely dead, because <laughs> everything the guy says throughout that song it just sounds like everybody has to be dead for that to happen. <laughs> um, yeah, that's it's awesome. most, for me, yeah. it's honestly one of the more morbid songs I have ever listened to in my entire life. <laughs> Could be because I first, like, really listened to it through a Perfect Circles remix of it. Like, when I was a kid, I didn't. Remember, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. So, it doesn't help things, but yeah, it seems like... The what
0: about wise. your thoughts? I mean, what, did you, what, what are your thoughts on, the, on some of the stuff you said? <laughs>
6: Honestly, I think it's like a mix. Like, I don't know.
2: Well, why would... A lot of celebrities aren't going to risk their fan base by going out on a limb. Oh, yeah, they want to keep it ambiguous. A lot of them, some of them do, and uh, Lady Gaga is one of the main ones. She was way behind Don't Ask, Don't Tell being repealed, but a lot of the celebrities (laughs) just stay out of the politics completely because why are they going to risk their popularity and their celebrity and alienate people (laughs) that might not agree with them?
0: I I don't know Lady Gaga very well, and it's funny because people kept bringing up Lady Gaga, and I was completely clueless. I had no idea who they're talking about. I don't watch TV. I'm not really following all that stuff. I certainly don't watch MTV. I don't know where.
6: Yeah, me too. <laughs> and, and you know, apparently she got these. Yeah,
0: you know, I, I finally saw pictures and stuff Let's see all these outrageous outfits. And apparently she's very gay friendly and all oh, this stuff. She has a whole and after art s- culture yeah. behind her. Well, see, I was looking at, it, I'm like, she's she's reinvented Madonna. Yeah, uh, but but you know, it, but I'm not I'm not snubbing her for that. I'm saying you know, maybe she did it for a new generation and her own thing. There's and a but house it's of essentially. Gaga. You know, she's, you know, but if you appeal really, really well to that niche market, you know, that can do some, yeah, do that it. can do some stuff <laughs> for you. All right. What's do you have anything else on your mind tonight? Devin?
4: Uh, one of your favorite uh, libertarian comedians, I want to know.
0: Libertarian uh, communions. Comedians. Uh, oh, <laughs> no, comedians. Comedians. Oh, comedians. <laughs> what would a libertarian comedian be? Stan Hope is awesome. Stan Oh, uh,
4: yeah. I love Stan Hope.
6: Yeah.
0: He's, he's about I keep seeing the clips top of, of the thing, right? He's brilliant. <laughs> He's really brilliant and just really down to earth. And uh, yeah, gets Remember right George to the point. Carlin, oh, yeah. Hicks. Well, Judge Car- George Carlin, I think, is more libertarian than people give him credit for. A lot of people see him as like ultra liberal yeah. and stuff. And, and that's, again, kind of like John Lennon. You can interpret some of the things he says as sounding really liberal and really maybe even communist sounding. But, yeah. but, um, but, but, but really, a lot of what he, he says said. is very libertarian. I mean, he was talking about the fallacy yeah. of the political process and how pointless it was to go to all that trouble to go vote and things like that. And he said it and he really nailed it. He was and, very
7: hypercritical uh, of yeah. the like every politician. Yeah, which uh, he endears me to my heart. Like that's what's endearing about him. <laughs>
0: you know? he wasn't saying liberal politicians are bad, conservative ones are bad. He was just politicians. You know, them, yeah. it's the nature Fair of jerks. that beast, and uh, the you know the, the, they work for these big corporate machines and stuff like that. And and I can totally relate to that. You know, very anti corporate, just like just the C word.
2: Stefan Molyu, while not a stand up comedian, is one of the most clever guys. I Sometimes think, he's funny around. And I've seen him in person <laughs> a few times and he's he's really on the ball with puns and things like that. Yeah. Um, so
7: Yeah, Stephon's great. Yeah.
2: Maybe he should get into it a
0: little bit. <laughs>
2: a little libertarian <laughs> he stand-up. Yeah.
7: He's <laughs> a punny type of man. He should try it
0: out. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thanks, Devin. We got know. another Hi, caller, thanks. so I'm going to take the next call. This is Free Talk Live. You're on the air.
3: Hey, what's going on, Dale? It's Greg calling hey, about the uh just calling in about our uh, jury pool mutiny over there in Missoula.
0: So, Greg, uh, talking about that. Greg in Massachusetts, and uh, you yeah, are the source of uh, the first article that we talked about tonight. That jury, yeah, the jury pool uh, that that they called they called it mutiny. It's an interesting way of describing it. What are your thoughts on that?
3: I, to be honest, I was shocked when I read the article because it's no secret that I think most people are against marijuana legislation or at the very least i think people think it's pretty ridiculous when like they said you're getting prosecuted for having a 16th of Mm -hmm. an ounce but it's like you know it's like the stanford prison experiment proved that even though the whole point of the jury was that people would have the opportunity to avoid convicting criminals who um you know broke the law even if the law was silly they do it anyhow it's you know, it's amazing that people who outside the jury are fairly rational about what should and shouldn't be illegal all of a sudden get on the jury and well, simply, you know, what, what's that stupid saying? The police use enforce the order of the law or whatever.
2: It's, it's absolute groupthink and herd mentality, and I think it happened in the Missoula case, too. But it went the other way for some reason. Yeah, and I don't know how we're in gonna get it from one side actually, to the other yeah.
0: side. I think I think there's an awakening happening, possibly. Greg, do you want to stay on the line through the break? Talk to us afterwards. Yeah, I'll be on the line. All right. This is uh, you can call in on this subject or another one at 603-435-1105. four three five eleven zero five. We'll be right back. This is Free Talk Live. Listening to the co-host edition of Free Talk Live. This is your host Delbert and Ryder
7: and Dennis.
0: I want to encourage our listeners to go to uh, Amazon. Freetalklive. Com. You can shop the entire Amazon site for all kinds of things: books, uh, media, um, records, movies, and I go for lots a lot of records,
7: records. albums. Of- Actually, yeah, I go for albums that you can't find anywhere else we're interrupting the read and you can going. get them at uh it well,
0: it's not a read but uh, oh. you can go to amazon.freetalklive.com and a portion of your proceeds from the sale will benefit free talk live and help to promote free talk live
7: oh boy that's more important so. than a read that is, this is an honest spot like i am happy about amazon <laughs> in
0: <laughs> this right.
7: regards other regards not so, so
0: nice? a lot of you're going to be doing your shopping is on shopping at amazon anyway so go ahead and do it through amazon.freetalklive.com to help benefit the show so we were just talking to Greg. I'm going to bring Greg back. And we were talking about this mutiny that happened in
7: Missoula. Mizzou-
3: yeah, Missoula District Court.
7: Yeah. Montana. But
3: the, but I guess the, the reason I think that this is like really relevant now, though, is because of what's going on with WikiLeaks. But before I talk about WikiLeaks, I guess I'll ask you guys and the uh, viewers a bit of a rhetorical question, which is, suppose that you're falsely accused of... Uh, child molestation, would you rather appear before the jury or the judge? Because personally, I'm going for the judge because the jury that's supposed to be, you know, the civic institution to protect us is so emotionally swayed by those issues that they generally will convict on almost no evidence.
0: I think you're probably right. I think, you know, the judge is is being a professional and doing it every day is probably a little more likely to, to I you know, try to be objective I about it. I completely disagree with really. that. Really?
7: Like okay, uh, yes, it you're right. On a the jury is emotional and easily swayed, and which is the reason why I would, if in court, I would try to appeal to the jury. Judge is going to do whoever is paying him the most. I, I, he is like, you well, got. I I see the judge is mostly a mercenary, especially in a high profile case like that. He's a mercenary.
0: Yes, he may paying him. What What do you mean? Like, are you saying he's getting kickbacks of some yes. sort?
7: <laughs> I mean, I in uh, a case let's say like with Julian Assange... Hmm. I come on the the judges are being offered reasons not to give him leniency. Hmm.
3: No, I'm well, well, saying in relation to the uh, the the child molestation uh, well, charges, though, because I had read somewhere that actually most lawyers advise their clients not to go before the jury on things like that.
0: I could see that. I just think a lot of people, like the moment you're accused of something yeah. like that, it's it's you can't even. You can't it's it's hard to even express an opinion about it other than an extremely hyperbolic, like negative and fiery brimstone yeah. <laughs> and damnation attitude about there, about child molestation because case, it's because it exactly is such agree, a sensitive yeah. area. It's become an incredibly sensitive area. So in that case I would say you're um, absolutely right.
3: There there's an article, I don't know, the Cleveland Plain dealer a few weeks ago about uh cases that had gone to court with no evidence and, and what happened there was one case where, for example, a yeah, a man lent his roommate 20 bucks earlier in the day. Anyhow, the dude's roommate was selling drugs, and the guy didn't know about it. Well, what happened was his roommate went outside to sell a $20 bag of crack to an undercover agent. So when he goes inside and he gives the $20, to, uh, you know, the roommate that lent him to him to pay it back. Well, anyhow, the cops go in there, and since they found the, the $20 on the other guy, they arrested him, too, and charged him and, and dragged him to court. And the, the judge blasted the prosecutor, saying, with the, the guy, you know, the uh, detective's into a testimony, and the judge just stops him and says, give me a yes or no answer. Do you have any evidence that this man was involved in that drug deal? And the guy said no. But what they were talking about was interesting, was that it was a grand jury that indicted him.
6: mm Right.
3: With no evidence, you know, the jury indicted him. So yeah, all, all I wanted to comment, I guess, was that and that article really surprised me because I'm sure you guys will agree with me on this, that it seems like, you know, juries almost always um, are basically, you know, just the tool of the machine that, yeah, it's the, uh, you know, the group think and the, uh, the obedience. You know, they just do what the law says.
0: Well, it was very encouraging to see this. I think this is mostly a reflection of a culture shift about the drug war. Um, the, you know, the, this I think there is a, a dramatic culture shift about the drug war, particularly on marijuana. It's primarily on marijuana. I don't think the drug war in general has as much uh, negative associations with it as specifically the, the marijuana.
2: Maybe, um, maybe in that area of the country it's a shift. But if it's taking that long to get a shift in one area of the country, because we've had people in New Hampshire that just got uh, convicted by a jury on drug charges. So yeah. it's not that juries uh, all over the place are
7: doing this. Personally, I think it's just a mixed bag. I you, you, <clears> most of the time I think you would get the jury to go one way and then every now and then you'll get like a couple members of the jury you didn't they couldn't weed out that hmm. were perfectly okay with legalization and you get situations like this.
0: Now, Greg, you mentioned you were going to lead into the WikiLeaks scandal. Is, is that right? Yeah. Is this well, because yeah, of the the, the sort of it seems like trumped up rape charges. That's just my take on it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it seems like well, uh,
3: just, you know what I, what I really want to lead into actually was the fact that um you know, the U S the there's by Assange's lawyers are saying there's an eighty percent chance he's going to be indicted by the U S government. And I guess what I would say is that if if the U S government files charges against him in a grand jury indicts him and actually goes to trial and he's convicted. I will um, and hold that for the rest of my life as evidence that juries are an absolute joke because, you know, it, it, it's amazing how all you have to do is read the treason law to see that you can't commit treason if you're not a citizen.
0: Uh, <laughs> yeah, but yeah.
3: But it amazes me how many people in public I meet that think that this guy's committed treason, just because that's what the government tells them. When, you know, it's like just really, really simple logic involved to deduce that a foreign person publishing, you know, um, wire communications of the U.S. government can't possibly commit treason.
0: (laughs) Right.
7: Well, I think uh, with juries, it's... It's the it's democracy on a small scale. They're like, wait, wait, we can get like nine people that agree with us on this situation. We can get away with anything. And that's... I can see the... the well, don't extra, do
0: you generally need unanimous decision? That's
7: what Nine people?
0: Yeah, 12 people. Uh,
7: 12, oh, it, I'll say 12. I guess it depends, it depends on, on the type of... Trial. You're but, right. Yeah. It depends on the type of... But yeah, offense. no, it's 12 people. So whatever you want... Yes, maybe there is no treason charges, but we can call it treason. We'll make him, you know, make it stick because we got tough people that agree with us. Just say if
2: if you vote not guilty, you're anti-American. Exactly. And then <laughs> the jury will dress in all red, white, and blue and show up for trial.
7: Yeah, that's. I'm sorry. Are you waving that uh, flag high enough, sir? Because I don't believe so. Bam. Yeah. It's, well,
3: and that's you know, like yeah. I mean, when jury, I think when jury members are dissenting and jury members argue against each other. Like, that's what the point of the jury is for the individual members to all have their own view. But that's strongly discouraged Discouraged by the courts. You'll notice that generally when situations like that happen, the judge will, you know, just leave the, uh, you know, because, of course, they get to force them with threat of violence to stay in there. They'll just lock them away in that room for weeks if they have to until finally people will just get sick of it and, and you know, go along with uh, – you know, maybe at first half the jury thinks the person is guilty and by the end all 12 will go along just because they've been locked in that damn room for 12 weeks being told to come to a consensus.
7: And yeah. that's, that's a nice Hollywood way of putting it because the reality is a lot of times, even if they do not come to the consensus that they like, uh, the judge will just be like, all right, well, we're going to retry.
2: Well, yeah, that's a hung jury then that's and they well, repick the jury.
7: Well, they don't have to lock them away. If it looks like the jury is just they're going to come to a decision that the judge doesn't like, a lot of times they just go straight to retrial the same because
3: of like if, you're talking about the fact that like if a jury actually comes back with a not guilty verdict, they can't try them twice, so instead they'll just order a retrial before the jury even comes back.
6: Mhm
3: is that what you're saying there
7: oh no, that it's just been other cases where uh similar cases where the jury does come back and they still haven't come in with a verdict, then the judge will just order a retrial regardless because mm-hmm. it's or they'll come back with a verdict, and then judge doesn't I, care.
0: I would love the opportunity to to get a to, you know, well nullify if I could um, or to, to get a hung jury I think it's you know I, I would not be able to get on board especially like a drug case or something like that I wouldn't be able to get if that's all there was I wouldn't be able to get on board with the prosecution for anything like that
6: Yeah. So, hang them
0: high. well Greg and I do want to make a correction when I said Greg was the source of that article what I meant was he's the one that told me about it I'm not um. saying he wrote the article or anything but Greg thanks for calling in Yeah, uh, thanks for having me on the air, guys. Yep, and if uh, you'd like to call in about this subject or something else, you can call in at 603-435-1105. This is Free Talk Live. This is the coast edition of Free Talk Live with your host Dale Bert. And Ryder.
7: And Dennis.
0: And um, if you like our show and you like to get the message of liberty out to all the different people out there, we're getting uh, we're syndicated over 85 stations and constantly trying to expand on that. So you can go to amp.freetalklive.com and find out how you can support the show. AMP stands for Amplify. Or sorry. Uh, advertise, advertise, Market, advertise, market, market and, promote. and Promote. Excuse me. Nice. Advertise, Market, and Promote. Thank you, Ryder. <laughs> Uh, advertise, market, and promote. And uh, for as little as $3 a month, you can uh, assist Free Talk Live to get the, with the word out there of liberty. And there's some bennies that come with being an amplifier, too, like uh, commercial-free archives of the show and a bunch of other things. So check out amp.freetalklive.com. And we have a caller we're going to go to. Caller, you're on the air. This is Free Talk Live.
8: Hello. This is Dr. Tom. Hello. Dr.
0: Tom. How are you? And Dr. Tom, you are yeah. calling from? Connecticut. Connecticut. And what's on your mind tonight, Dr. Tom?
8: I just want to talk about the uh, quote-unquote justice system. And how when you get caught up in it, it doesn't matter whether or not you have the jury or the judge. You're screwed either way because the jury has, you know, for example, with the uh, the rape charges, um, the jury is going to, they're probably more likely, if it's rape, to just say, yeah, it's a rapist. And the, the judge is working for the system. So it's kind of a conflict of interest if you get the judge instead of the jury.
0: Yeah, that's almost certainly so the case.
7: it's a joke either way. Either
2: and even not. if you're found not guilty, uh, you just went to trial for rape.
7: <laughs> yeah, right. Everybody can, knows right. that forever. Look at
0: all the crap you have to go through. If you're found innocent, look at all the crap you go through. You don't get compensated for Absol- all that. No.
2: Absolutely. Lawyer no. fees, you hardly ever get yeah. compensated lawyer fees unless it's a civil is case. It's expensive in this country. And,
7: oh, and you, and you always get charged for court fees. Uh, well, yeah. I tried to appeal a case.
0: I I was charged. I was I was found. I was first of all, I was found like that. Uh, you know, I went to a trial, and the judge basically said they they have failed to prove their case beyond a reasonable doubt. But I'm going to find you guilty of another charge anyway, of, the, know, the, of the, violation. the violation I mean, level charge. What's that, Tom?
8: A reasonable doubt is a gradient.
0: <laughs> yeah, right. And, you know, but anyway, I mean, all but anyway, in his opinion, they had, they had failed to prove it beyond a reasonable doubt, and he was the one. His opinion was the one that mattered, right? And yet he found me guilty of something else anyway, uh, of a violation level of the same charge, even though they'd failed to prove their case. Uh, go figure. But anyway, fine me $620. So I appeal this to the Supreme Court. And the Supreme Court uh, – all, all this is is I write up everything, at the evidence, and say I you – know, please you know, reconsider this decision. It's not another trial or anything like that. Mm-hmm. So I appealed it. And uh, you know, and they come back. You know, And I said – and I cited you know, a place in the New Hampshire Constitution that says you don't have to pay for justice in New Hampshire. You, you, must, you cannot be forced to pay for justice in New Hampshire. Uh, and of course, they just disregard that. <laughs> they came back. Well, you have to follow these fees, or well, we cannot consider your appeal. Your appeal, your appeal will be rejected. So, as of the day after tomorrow, I am expecting my appeal to be rejected, just as they have said they're going to do. And uh, because I didn't pay the one hundred and eighty dollars fee, and then it's in the, in the. I already know, like from what I read, it sounds like they're going to come back with they're going to want to see transcripts and everything, and that's going to cost another four hundred dollars. So it's going to basically cost me how much the fine is to appeal it. Wow, that's so
7: Merry Christmas. Yeah. You're fined six hundred dollars.
0: Yeah, so um, you know, so my thought is I went through the whole process. Still, they're going to go do all that paperwork and everything, and they're going to spend their time on it. And uh, I'm going to fight it full throttle and not pay them a penny for all that. And I'm not going to pay the fine either. And ultimately, I'll probably end up going to jail. Uh, I have asked to pay the fine to a charity, which I'm going to do, but I don't know if they're going to accept that or not. And they're taking a very long time to decide, which is making it not look very favorable. But yeah, I mean, pay a lot of fees, pay for a lawyer. Go through all the time and trouble, the possibly the uh, the smear on your on your reputation, on your public yeah. image, or uh, what's it going to do to your business? And you're found innocent; doesn't matter. You've already been punished. Yeah,
8: right. And imagine the money that that could go to. I mean, uh, like instead of it going to this government where they just spent it on the army, the money could go to into the economy and can pay for a job. Like, let's say somebody has extra money, they can get a houseboy. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> House boy that's right.
2: <laughs> the money and the time that, and the time spent—four uh, hours at Sam's camera trial was one of the longest trials we've ever been to. Yeah, and it's just
0: a whole bunch of mundane, minute things. It would have been less. It would have cost him less to just fix his camera, and I even mean, just for their cost. If you look at their costs of the paying the public servants and all that stuff, but I guess they thought, oh, it's just tax money, and we just want to, we just want to be able to do what we want and get away with it. So. We're gonna go through all that and put him through all that, and we get to decide anyway. So, it was you know, it's it's the the coach and the, is also the referee, and there's a problem there. Yeah. <laughs> a little bit of conflict yeah. of interest. Right. If you ask him who he represents, he'll say, "Oh, the state of New Hampshire or the city of Keene." Sometimes
2: or, they'll say the court, and then you say yeah, yeah. the court of what, and it's this right. the state of New Hampshire's court. court right. Me.
0: Right. So. <laughs> well, so
8: anything else? Well, who is the like? state of New Hampshire? It's people, right?
0: I don't know. It's a geographical boundary. According to the uh, Constitution, it is. Probably all right. According
8: to a piece well, of I mean, paper, then you can say, "Then you work for me." <laughs> I
0: got that.
2: No, a, the a conflict of interest too, because yeah. for and me. then he will immediately remove his robe and give it to
0: you. It, it always cracks me up when say when they, when someone yells at a cop, "Hey, I pay your salary. You work for me." Uh, if that's true, fire him. I want to see it. And if you can't fire him, no, he doesn't work for you. Get it through your head. He is not working for you. There are powerful interests that he works for, and it ain't you. Not, not everyone's <laughs> seen The Matrix Yeah, they're you, taking Dale. your money to pay him, but that doesn't mean he works <laughs> for like you. That's like the cat
7: burglary works for you.
0: Anything else on your mind, Tom? No,
7: that's about it.
0: All right. Thanks, well, for, thanks, for, uh, thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for calling in, calling anytime. Anyone else if you'd like to call in? There's still a few minutes remaining. You can still get your call in. The lines are clear right now. You can call in at 603-435-1105 then, we're going to talk about 13 million people getting unexpected tax bills from Obama, from his tax credit. So this is how this worked out. Remember, we were talking about this earlier in the show, and we're okay, finally getting to I'm it. Probably one of these. Uh, uh, we were wanting, like, "What's going on here?" Well, about 13.4 million taxpayers may be getting unexpected tax bills because they were awarded too much money under President Barack Obama's Making Work Pay tax credit. A government audit said Thursday, the tax credit, which expires January one was designed to increase take-home pay by about $8 a week. Wow. That's like a meal at McDonald's. Uh, Through new tax withholding tables, the credit was capped at at $400 for individuals and $800 for married couples filing jointly. However, the credit put millions of taxpayers at risk for not having enough taxes withheld from their paychecks, resulting in a tax bill when they filed their returns, said the audit by J. Russell George, the Treasury Inspector General for Tax Administration. Those at risk included people with multiple jobs, married couples who both work, Social Security recipients who also work, and young workers who are also claimed as dependents on their parents' tax returns. So the Making Work Pay credit is a key tax credit designed to increase spending and stimulate the economy, George said. However, many taxpayers who are accustomed to receiving refunds when they file their tax returns may have owed taxes and incurred penalties in 2009. Uh, and may yet again in 2010 because they were advanced more of the credit than they were entitled to claim.
7: I'm going to take this on the air and say if and it sounds like I might fall into one of these groups knowing how much I made last year <laughs> quite a bit. Um, when I get asked for more money, I'm going to say no. <laughs> I like no, how no. you clean that up. For, right? But now you work. <laughs> Dennis, do
2: you work a corporate job?
7: I worked for Nestle.
2: But now, now, do you work a corporate job where I you're withholding? I still with work holding? for
7: another corporate, yes.
2: But so if you say no, they're just going to tack it on to the next year's when yeah, you they try to get give it a shot, but your I'm refund. trying to
7: go into business for myself. If well, it really be a little gets, easier if it then. Gets, but if it gets so bad, honestly, if it gets so bad, I will just say no. You can't just, even have, I mean, ultimately you, you can't even
2: I'm have a bank saying, I'm
0: not saying. I'm not saying you should necessarily have. they take pay, out but, your bank account. You know, there's so many things they can do, so...
7: Like, I'm trying to play by the rules as far as I can, but if they're just going to just bleed me to death, no. I'd rather... I hear you. my own ground.
0: It says the Internal Revenue Service reported that the average tax refund was 2,892 in the 2010 following season, up from 2,663 in 2009. However, the number of refunds dropped by 3.5% to 93.3 million. It says the audit says the making work pay credit could have been a factor in the reduced number of refunds. So, I don't know. I just love that, uh, you know... (laughs) There, you know, there's. this is this the, this this president, you know, is supposed to be like for the working man, and he's just about to screw over thirteen million people. He okay. Even uh,
7: during his campaign, everything he said was say, "I'm going to screw the working man," yeah. and the working man's like, "He's not going to screw us." And where everybody's like, "No, he's." To going be to screw fair, us. to be fair, is this an Obama?
2: Mess up, or is this a paperwork snafu that no, happened this, somewhere this, this below is, him?
7: Is, well, it
0: seems to be. It seems built into the thing because it's. It seems kind of built into the. It's a, the it's a policy game. because it's, it's, there's a ca- there's a credit cap, and you know they adjust their. I think a lot of it has to do with the withholding policies and and how they penalize that, people over not withholding enough. And it, you know the, the, that's the whole that's the whole where the whole problem comes from is that you're expected to withhold. Um, a certain amount are or or they Are or they, or they next year they'll say you have to make quarterly payments You because know they, no, they no, want no, the money no, no. up front and they want to sit on it and not pay interest on it
7: Obama? Like no Milton Friedman piss on his grave <laughs> he's the one who started withholding go find him <laughs>
0: um, yeah that's right so this has been the co-host edition of Free Talk Live with Delbert. Ryder Dennis and be sure to tune in at freetalklive.com this is Free Talk Live we we'll